and silence through the night What a thrill I'm searching and I'll melt into you What a fear in my heart But you're so supreme I give my and welcome to Volume 1, Issue 39 of the Cane and Rinse Podcast. In the fourth of our Metal Gear 25th Anniversary Specials, we return to 2004, Stroke 5, and 1964 for Kojima's broccoli-tinged, camo-clad Cold War prequel. Joining me, Leon Cox, this issue we have Tony Atkins. Hello. Darren Gargett. Hello. Joshua Garrity. Hello. And, what a thrill, Paul Rooney. Hey, yeah. <laughs> Such enthusiasm. <laughs> Welcome, one and all. So, uh, these t- shows tend to lo- run long. Um, we don't know how long this one's going to last yet, but let's go right ahead. Our history with Metal Gear Solid 3. I actually had to look up whether I bought this at the time. I couldn't remember, uh, but fortunately, like a big nerd, I keep a list of all the games that I've bought, or I have done for the last decade or so, and I did buy it uh, at the time. Um and I think I got to the uh, the title sequence, uh, which, which of course comes after, depending on how you play the game, anything from about five minutes to about two hours, uh, depending on which difficulty you're playing on. Um, in, a, in a James Bond style, obviously you get the um, 
the cold start that is without credits then you play the virtuous mission which which we'll go through when we start covering the story and then you get the fantastic uh title, title sequence which was uh created as with metal gear solid 2 by kyle cooper who is uh, if you look up his credits on the imd imdb he's made a lot of the best film title sequences of the past sort of two decades he did seven which was probably his breakthrough one which is a fantastic credit sequence uh donnie brasco flubber mouse hunt uh not all great movies but great title sequences <laughs> wild wild west three kings nurse betty uh band of brothers tv series that is a resume uh, way over the place. He's, yeah, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, uh, Wimbledon. Uh, there's some other good ones here. Uh, what else has he done? Oh, he did X-Men First Class recently. Spider-Man, the 2002 one. Iron Man, Iron Man 2. So, yeah, this is a guy who knows how to do a title sequence. And obviously, uh, this particular title sequence, you've already heard the music, having tuned into the, the, the song, which is a sort of John Barry uh, mm-hmm. pastiche and the title sequence is completely in the style of Morris Binder's uh, famous James Bond title sequences he did most of the uh, the the sort of the well known Bond ones I don't think he did all of them but I think he did the vast majority certainly the you know the all the sort of uh, the cliches of things it, sort of it moving. captures the essence of the spirit of Bond for sure absolutely it's, it's all about the bondage and um, yeah so I think every time I got that far um, now the first uh, we'll talk about the differences between the, the first release and substance subsistence I'm going to do this so snake eater <laughs> and subsistence um, and I, I remember finding I was, you know I was interested obviously uh, as previously discussed I'd enjoyed Metal Gear Solid 2 but for some reason I put it down at this point and, and never got much farther with it then at some point I traded up to subsistence which uh is uh, in many ways a, a big improvement and the version to get and obviously uh, is the one you will get if you buy the HD collection now on uh, the current gen consoles or Vita or even the uh, slightly ropey 3DS version I gather um, but I've seen this a lot having spoken to people that even though sort of ostensibly there was nothing wrong with the start of the game i think some people found it kind of hard to get into well yeah i mean my, my story is pretty much the same as yours oh. I, I boned i i owned it first time around on release day being a huge metal gear fan um for whatever reason well i know what the reasons were but this this may cross by everybody which is i found um the game quite intimidating actually, yeah where, where the others i hadn't previously although you know they were seemingly quite complex games for the time um i just found the well, the legendary awkward camera angle, um, yeah. which we'll probably talk about when we talk about the changes between the two ty- the two editions. Mm. Um, another major aspect was the survival as uh, well, yeah, the survival techniques. I.e., uh, you need to heal yourself and feed yourself. Uh, I found that really intimidating and wasn't too sure that's something I wanted to do at all. And actually, those were the two main things that made me go, uh, Yeah, I, actually... I think you're right. I think you've hit the nail on the head. And the camouflage as well. So yep. you, you find suddenly, from all the previous games, where which we've we've now all, all played in a row, uh, all the pretty much the only menu wrangling you did was holding one of the shoulder buttons to bring up a list of items. Um, whereas now, you're constantly jumping in and out of menus to look look at maps to change your camouflage to heal yourself to feed yourself 
Yeah, and and also the controls seemed overly complex, even though Metal Gear Solid Legend, well, Legendary has weird controls anyway. But mm. this one found, you know, because we're a bit further down the, into that generation, they just feel really complex. And all that stuff just put me off from playing it first time round, and which is really odd because. You know, I'll talk about many of those issues when we, we go to review the game. Also, maybe I think it was the more organic setting felt intimidating yeah. because you're used to this very binary stealth mechanic, either you're hidden or you're not. And suddenly you're given this camouflage index and grass and undulating terrain and soldiers who are actually quite well disguised themselves. You can no longer see their vision cones, so it's quite easy to just stumble across people. Um, you're given certain other kinds of equipment. You've got... Well, no radar as well. Yeah, no radar. You've got various uh, audio detection techniques, uh, you've got a mic, directional mic and other things, but if you're playing this on anything above uh, the easy settings, you have to be really quite careful. Mm-hmm. So, so, I mean, that doesn't explain then why when Subsistence came out, I, I did almost identically the same thing. <laughs> it's I weird, isn't it? Both the same thing. I put it back down, and yeah, although the camera angle felt fixed, I, I dived headfirst and again, still got intimidated by all that stuff I said previously, <laughs> and put it down again, and which, you know, although I played uh, Metal Gear Solid 4, so I felt like I played all the ones in the main series. 3 was always this this weird title just stuck, in, you know, wedged in between all these other ones which I've really enjoyed and for some reason just put to one side. Um, although everybody telling me it's it's possibly the best in the series. It mm. was just this, this intimidation factor of all that extra stuff they added was really, you know, pushed me away as a gamer. I definitely echo the sentiment uh, that you two have just said. Uh, I played this when I was working in an indie shop in, in my hometown, Leighton Brothers. All right. My hometown, but where I live. And um, yeah, I put Metal Gear 3 on just because that's what you do when you're in an indie shop. You just play games until you close the shop. Obviously, you sell them. But yeah, um, I put the original version of Metal Gear Solid 3 on and just found it completely intimidating and overwhelming for those reasons you just specified. Like, there's no radar, which you're definitely used to compared to the, you know, the previous two games. And. Uh, it, that that's that was the stumbling block for me big time because I couldn't actually see. Obviously, you had the first person mode, but I couldn't see where people were in with, with, an, with an agile mindset. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's the combination of both no radar, which you got used to from the, the you know the previous games, and the camera angle. Now, because the camera angle was roughly the same from the other two games, mm-hmm. that that was fine because the radar there was as a backup. You know, you could see the cones and the field of view. But taking that away and having the same view, it just it, you felt really paralysed. And quite frankly, switching into first person mode all the time just to see where everybody was felt really broken. Like it just it felt like a game mechanic that was just it wasn't particularly well polished. Yeah, and it was quite tricky to get used to because this is the first time for me that Solid Snake or whichever snake he is was out in the open environments like to that scale. Before mm-hmm. you're in these like small enclosed sort of factory rooms and warehouses, and you sort of know where people are in in relation to you in like the other Metal Gear games. But with with three, just like in a jungle, and you're like, well, where are people? Like you don't know where the boundaries are because the forest just stretches on. I, would, um, I mean, I'd like to know whether Paul played this. The, you know the original edition all the way through first time around, and, mm. and Josh in this case because I I don't think it's necessarily something that if I'd if I'd really given it my time and effort I probably could have overcome those those hurdles, but certainly coming to it as you know pretty fresh it was something that definitely put me off. But you know I'm I'm pretty sure if I just stuck with it, which I feel like I, I could have done, um I would have kind of broke through that stuff. But, yeah, you know, subsistence was there to kind of ease me later on. But yeah, Paul, did you? jump in on the original Metal Gear 3? Yeah, I had the original. And then, <clears throat> I know you, I know the feeling you're kind of getting that feeling intimidated. I actually really like that. There's something about playing something totally new, you know, the kind of unknown, 
I really mm-hmm. was enjoying just inching through the maps, you know, and, and figuring everything out just bit by bit. So and I was actually really enjoying it. And the reason I, I didn't actually complete it uh, all the way through the first time I'd played it on the, the original non-subsistence version because it was the camera angle. Mm. You know, that, that really, I'd spent maybe about 20 odd hours on, on the, just up until maybe two, I won't, we'll talk about this later, but one of the bosses, Ocelot. I got to there and I couldn't, I couldn't, it's not like the, the, the boss battle itself was, was too difficult. It just sapped all of my energy and enthusiasm out of the game trying to get past mm. this one boss and I really couldn't do it. And it's not that I wasn't actively saying, oh, I'm sick fed up of this. I just had no inclination to play it. I just completely kind of ruined it up until that point. So, wow. so the context of that is that's the boss that runs throughout the trees <laughs> and you need to kind of look up and detect him, although he's kind of hidden. So with that camera angle, then we have to explain the camera angle. So it's kind of like top down, sli- you know, top down, but on a slight angle. So it's not quite isometric, but it's yeah, you know, it's I guess how the the rest it's of the much the same as the that. yeah, it's much the same as the previous games, but just in this scenario and in this setting, it becomes woefully inadequate. Mm-hmm. So I guess your problem is you just couldn't see him. Yeah, I couldn't see him at all. I couldn't place. see what he was shooting, and his bullets were bouncing off rocks as well. And I think I might have put it on hard mode. I can't actually remember. But I remember I was dying basically, and it's not that I, I couldn't just see him enough to kill him. I was being killed by him, so and it happened so often that I just had to stop. But up until that point, which is relatively early in the game, I'd maybe put about twenty odd hours in. I'd, I'd, mm. At night, I would sometimes spend two, three hours after work just kicking about, exploring things, catching animals, and doing a lot of talking on the codec to Mei Ling, talking about uh, Godzilla and whatnot. So yeah. I was loving everything about it. I thought it was mailing or paramedic oh, sorry, in this case. Paramedic. <laughs> <laughs> You've caught me out already. Yeah, um, easily done. Yeah, no paramedic. Just talking about uh, films and whatnot, and I thought that was really fantastic. I was loving every second of it, but it was just that stupid camera angle. And apparently, I wasn't alone in the, the hatred of that camera angle. No, it was one of the only things that was picked up as a serious problem. Uh, in reviews at the time, although the game reviewed well and the original release sold about 4 million copies. I have no idea how many copies Subsistence sold. I know it got a smaller print run and obviously once you factor in all the various recent versions that there have been, I expect the the sales for the Metal Gear Solid 3 in a whole must be at least 6 or 7 million, I would have thought. I don't know. but um, Yeah, so uh, did you not persevere at all? Did you actually stop playing it until recently? or? Yeah, no, I'd stopped playing it until uh, Subsistence came out. And, okay, um, Subsistence. I got relatively right. far in that and actually stopped. So the, the first time I'd seen it all the way through, <laughs> I always do this with games, I very seldom finish them. Um, yeah. The first time I played it all the way through would have been New Year of this yeah, year. Yeah, you imported the HD collection, didn't you? Yep. On PS3. I saw you uh, absolutely hitting that hard over the winter months. Oh, absolutely, um, yeah. Yeah, so you did finally make it through, mm-hmm. so uh, you you can now speak for the whole story. But was it not that, uh, as a Metal Gear fan, did the the fact that you were getting all this uh, amazing, all these revelations and all this history, not was that not enough to keep you going through those difficult gameplay moments before the HD version? Not really, no. I guess not. No, it really <laughs> wasn't for some reason. It, it just really deflated me, and the amount of time, and, and, and because I'd spent so long, like in the game world, I feel as if I had almost taken everything out of it, like I, I 20 odd hours is enough for me, so mm. I'll come back to it later, you know, and I've said, as I said before, I like knowing there's a game 
that's so good, that's so important, they are still to be completed in my collection. Yeah, so yeah. I was quite I was quite content knowing that, you know, one summer when I've got nothing to do or whatever or if I lost my job or something, I could sit down and, and take it easy for a while and just get right back into that world. But in in the the years in between I had absolutely no inclination of, of going back to it. Hmm. It, it's funny actually before Josh jumps in and I, I feel actually I was a little deflated from Metal Gear Solid 2 um, and obviously we've, we've talked about Metal Gear Solid 2 in depth but I just, I, you know that wasn't everything I wanted I seemingly wanted from a Metal Gear game and I, I guess hitting this hurdle straight away in Metal Gear 3 was enough for me to go oh this series is just you know it's it's gone off the rails like Kojima has no idea what it's hmm. doing at this point um, and like all this stuff I, I have to preface with like a lot of the aspects that it brings up early in this game I've grown to actually really love and, and actually turn out to be one of the most enjoyable aspects of Metal Gear 3 but uh, there's no denying that when you, you first encounter all this stuff and it throws it in as one it, it, it just feels like a brick wall and you know, a mountain to climb rather than just this you know slightly casual introduction it's every bone in your body is broken now fix <laughs> yourself rather than just like oh, you, you know you've got a sting and now you need to put some ointment it's literally you know I mean, it's it's a great in, in context. It's just story, a tutorial, though, isn't it? Sense. I mean, it, it's teaching it you is, how to. It is, and you can't, himself. and you can't actually really mess it up. No. Although, you know, in the higher difficulties, if you you know if you use a bandage and you can't replace that bandage, then it becomes an mm. issue. Now, on the you know the easier difficulties, you get plenty of medical stuff, and it's not really an issue at all. In fact, you could just press every item you have in your inventory, and you would heal up, yeah. and there's no punishment for getting it yeah. wrong. Yeah, I mean the the well, I'll, there's something I want to talk about the the varying difficulties because yeah. it really does change the experience quite a lot. Um, so yes, Josh, what's your history with MGS three? Um, I bought the original version, played through it. Um, right. I enjoyed. Well the, done. Uh, enjoyed Ooh. the. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah I enjoyed the story. The enjoyed the story part of it, um, but. I found the gameplay part of the original release incredibly frustrating mm-hmm. because of the camera, which you guys have all talked about already. Mm. Um, then Subsistence was released, and I heard a lot of people saying this: the change in camera just dramatically improves the experience. So I thought, okay, I really like the story in free. I may have not liked the gameplay that much, but um, I'm going to give this one a go because uh, people are highly recommending it. And I played through that version of it, and I absolutely adored it. Um, that 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 one change uh, mm-hmm. made the experience ten times better, uh, because now I could see what I was doing mm. um, and uh, play it like a proper stealth game. Then, not just like bump into people <laughs> and then have to kill everyone in the area because yeah. there's no way to hide. Now I could actually okay he's over there he's over there i can sneak past them great um and since then i've actually played the game like four times um because i i really really love this game um and i really like the way it's designed so i'm a bit of a super fan it's it's really odd i mean i think it's it's really humble of kojima to actually make this change because you know, this is a guy that brought his Metal gear solid 2 which feels like a complete project of his own mind and almost like a, a a fuck you to the fans it felt like in, in some respects like I'm going to make the game that I want to make so for him to actually come back to this game and fix something as major as the camera which you know as much as we, we may go oh this game is fantastic you have to look at aspects of this original release and say that camera was kind of not fit for purpose without some mm. of the, the extra aspects that they 
they you know they bolted on on the previous games. Now, like I said, he he fixed the problem, but it must be a real humbling moment for him to say, you know what, I got it wrong. Like this fifteen twenty hour experience, I got it wrong. I'm gonna have to you know come back and and rejig this or add some more like, extra content. But really, the major reason to pick up subsistence over the, the original release is just the camera makes everything seem so so much better. Do you think Splinter Cell was an inspiration for changing the camera? Other than the reviews saying, you know, that the camera's pretty, oh, pretty he, terrible. He would Splinter never Cell? admit, would he? <laughs> we'll, we'll never know. <laughs> he's never played that game, hasn't he? Well, he's gone I was going to say one of the other things that uh, you get in subsistence, or you don't now, sadly, in the modern versions because of licensing. But uh, one of the bonus modes was Snake versus Monkey. When when this was a PlayStation <laughs> exclusive. Uh, there's a fantastic... Well, I thought it was an excellent. It kind of plays like a stealth puzzle game, and it's uh, Snake rounding up and capturing the monkeys from the Ape Escape series, which is a, a series I liked anyway. Um, and uh, during the intro to that, uh, there is reference made to both Siphon Filter and uh, Splinter Cell. So there is a little mm-hmm. nod to that. Uh, he actually talks about uh, the, the character's whose names I've forgotten because I don't care about those series so much. Sam, Sam, Sam and Gabe. He refers to Sam and Gabe, that's it. Um, and, of course, the other uh, major addition to subsistence that we're not really going to talk about here was the first uh, incarnation of Metal Gear Online. Um, but I doubt that that many people in the in in the UK got on board with that. Uh, I, I watched some video of it earlier, and it, it, it looked quite funny, actually. They kind of break down certain story segments as well. Mm. Um, have a, There's a lot of humour in there. And sadly, um, Metal Gear Online, the current version that's been around for the last four years or so, is is, is now closed, was closed a couple of weeks back. And uh, is, it, uh, is it Alistair, uh, you know him, Paul, who is a big mm-hmm. fan of that? You've mentioned him before, and uh, he was there for the last hours of uh, Metal Gear Online and genuinely sad because it is one of those things that for a few years it had been a part of his life. But uh, perhaps we'll, we'll talk about that more when we do Metal Gear Solid 4. So... Virtuous mission. Then this is the uh, the pre credits opening again. It's a it's a Bond style thing to have have a bit of a mission that sets the 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 wheels of the main plot in motion before the before the main event starts. Uh, you are sent in to extract Sokolov, a Soviet rocket develop developer stroke weapons expert uh, who was uh, already had defected to the U.S. but had been nabbed back. You are Jack, stroke John, stroke Naked Snake, a Green Beret from the CIA, uh, and you perform the world's first Halo jump. Imagine that. Uh, your commanding officer in this uh, case is not Campbell, but it is uh, Major Tom, or Major Zero. I can't remember which he is at this point. He's a, an English gentleman. Major Tom. Major yeah, Tom. Uh, your support team includes uh, Paramedic. Uh, who is your uh, save and advice person? She, of course, invents the paramedics. Uh, the the boss, <laughs> who is uh, your lifelong mentor, uh, a woman who you later learn helped win the World War Two for the U- U.S. Uh, so the 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 usual thing of Kojima tying the story into the real world here where uh, he says that the Soviets actually only pulled out of Cuba and the Cuban Missile Crisis back in 62 to get Sokolov back uh, presumably with a view to having him create them and some kind of atomic super weapon Uh, your chief adversary at this stage is likely to be you find out uh, Colonel Volgin a Gru which uh, is He's also known as Thunderbolt, I think, because he does lightning and shit. Um, 
And you also meet during your during your first uh, excursion, Shalashaska, uh, another Gru, um, the major of the Ocelot unit. Uh, he uh, he kills all the guards around you, and he meows for his backup, which is weird. And Snake takes everybody down, and this is the point where you can uh, end the game if you want with a uh, what do they call paradox. it? Time paradox. That's it. So uh, yes, and you can win an achievement or trophy for problem solved series over by putting a bullet in <laughs> Ocelot's head while he lies on the ground. Nice touch. What a great moment great. as well. It is hilarious. I had to. Yeah, do it. yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Uh, so you find out that there's some infighting going on in amongst the Soviets, uh, the KGB, who's Khrushchev's uh, people, and the Gru's, uh, also known as the, the Spetsnaz, with the, like the Soviet special forces, uh, and Volgin is kind of in charge of them. Uh, you learn of Shagohod, a nuclear-capable tank. It's uh, as yet unfinished. Phase one is complete. Phase two of the testing and development process is yet to happen. Uh, and then at the end, mostly at the end of uh, the this virtuous mission opening sequence, uh, the boss turns up and says that she's defecting to the USSR. She has two US nukes, a helicopter full of freaks, uh, including Volgin, who powers electricity. Uh, boss then basically kicks Snake's ass, breaks his arm, fails to kill him, throws him off a bridge, um, but she apparently, see, although she sort of half convinces her... Uh, Volgin and her cohorts that she's killed him I think she knows that he's not dead uh, then there's a scene in a helicopter with uh, Volgin wanting Sokolov's woman because she has spunk and uh, then in a slightly wild card move Volgin nukes the uh, Shagahod research facility with uh, the an American nuke right and that so that's and that and then the title sequence kicks in. So that uh, that sort of features your tutorial, uh, and I think it's a little microcosmic version of what is to come. Because it's also set um, in the sixty four, sixty four, mm-hmm. um, which gives a, a completely fresh new take on, on what we've seen in Metal Gear uh, games before, or Metal Gear Solid games before. Um, and yeah, it's it's set in the jungle, so all that all that the precursor. But you know, it's when you first enter this game, we've already talked about it. It, it feels actually quite alien compared to the, all the other games you played in the series, because um, they've all kind of been set in these uh, factory warehouses, you know, where Metal Gears are being produced. You know, that would be the, the logical place where you're, you're dropped into this, like say the Halo Jump, and you dropped into this forest and you lose your backpack. And there's trees, and there's vegetation, and there's snakes, and there's wildlife everywhere. Wonder. Wildlife everywhere, um, and it—I actually find it quite shocking. I, I still find it quite shocking and quite intimidating coming back to it now because it, it's just—it feels like the anti-Metal Gear game. Like it's just—it doesn't have all the tropes of all the other games in the series. Um, well, at least that's what I found. But it, the color palette is—I think—is really interesting and fantastic. I think the the era is like all, all the um, the outfits that you know the. The dress code of the, the soldiers, tech. The, the tech, the plane that you're in, um, all that stuff. It's all nods to stuff that we know is roughly being developed around the time or a little bit in the future. And they just and he takes that tech and, and just messes around with it and plays with it and says, look, this is the first time it's been used in, in the field. And I think that's you know all first for the series. Yeah, with this uh, virtual admission, I definitely had... Um, I had more problems playing this virtual admission, even with the newly funky... You know, third person behind the shoulder camera. Uh, it was mainly to do with the controls. 
Um, there's a scene quite iconic at the start where you have to cross a bridge, <laughs> mm-hmm. and I I can't tell you how many times I've lost count how many times I tried to cross that bridge without being spotted because that's what Metal Gear is all about. Is you know you, you I try my hardest to get across this bridge as you know without getting spotted and stuff. And I I found the controls as mentioned earlier that the controls were too much of a stumbling block, and I was worried that it was going to ruin the game for me mm-hmm. again. I was like I just can't get across this bridge and. Uh, it was just really frustrating, but luckily I found some like tutorial videos within the game, uh, in the menus, yeah. and I, I had to I had to watch them because the the button configuration is just so alien. It's you know when you play something like Splinter Cell, the controls are mapped so that you don't really have to think about it if you know what I mean. And well, with Metal Gear Three, you end up in the same position where it's all natural to you at the, at the start across that bridge. I, I just didn't know how to play the game at all, and um, yeah, it very nearly stopped me from playing <laughs> it. But I'm glad I persevered. <laughs> It's funny, isn't it? Because I, I think actually going back to the PlayStation Two versions of this stuff, I, I completely agree with all those statements. I think the, the controls are, are very awkward, quite intimidating. Um, yeah, I've never all the HD stuff I've played so far. They all just feel really natural. Like I, I don't know what tweaks they've managed to do. It may actually be because I'm playing on a 360 pad, uh, and it just feels more natural that controller in my hand at this point. 60 frames really helps the crispness yeah. of feel, the responsiveness. I mean, yeah, but. There used to be so many times where I used to stand, then crawl, and crawl, then stand, and you know, slightly do the wrong thing and fall off the ledge and press the wrong button and, and drop. Okay. None, of, none of that stuff really happened. The, um, you know, the the buttons on the DualShock, both two and three, are pressure sensitive. That actually comes into play quite a lot in this because of the mm-hmm. the new CQC stuff and the the releasing of uh, triggers. Do, does that does that all work on the 360 pad? I don't actually know because I don't think I ever intentionally used pressure sensitive. Uh, I didn't find it did, um, so I worked you know things around it. If I didn't want to mm. fire a shot, then I would come out of first person view and then switch to a different weapon, which then would take your you know, so aim off. Because like the, the the CQC, which we haven't mentioned yet, this was an, a, a, a fairly su- a substantial expansion on the previous game's hand to hand, which was pretty much circle, circle, circle. Uh, so in this game, you can grab them, slit their throat, interrogate them, uh, flip them over, and various things. But a lot of this depends on how hard you're pushing in the uh, the button. Uh, I'm, I played mm. the I play obviously I played the PS2 originals and the uh, HD collection on PlayStation 3, and uh, it's quite it's quite important. Like when you're interrogating, you have to be only half holding in the circle button, which would be the B button on the Xbox controller. Otherwise, you'll slit their throat. That's probably why I only ever slipped. There you go, then. Yeah, so that's yeah. actually a. I, mean, a I don't know for issue. certain, but that's certainly yeah, my my experience of it. But I mean, it 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 sets up the game really well. This this opening scenes because, like you say, Leon, there's it combines all the little elements that you're going to be progressing through this game. Now that inst- the, the the bit where Darren's talking about on that bridge. Now you have this big long bridge. There's two guards at the very end. There's one guard at the front of it. I remember playing the first time round and just being killed countless times on that section the camera never helped because you couldn't really see where the guards were but this time I, something just clicked to me so I, I walked there and instantaneously I saw because of the new camera angle I saw the bee's nest above this guard's head so I shot the bee's nest it fell down or the wasp nest it Horrible. fell down um, lands on top <laughs> damn it hornet's nest it lands You're on top of the guard you should know this it, it hits the guard. I try to avoid him, of course. Um, it hits the guard on the head, and now he goes running across the bridge into the other two guards, yep. which then make them flee as well out of the area. Um, it's a great, you know, it's a great comical moment. There's a tro- trophy for it, but it's just, you know, at time you, you have to think outside of the box. Of course, that same scene, you could just shoot the guy. 
Although, do you, I think you do have a weapon. Yeah, I think you do at that that point. You can just shoot the guy. You can trank the guy. Mm-hmm. You can, you know, ultimately you know, knock him out and put him in, in, into the the bush and nobody will see him. Or you can just literally run past him and in the hope that you know you don't get killed along the bridge. But I I, I think that uh, sequence is brilliant because it forces you to think the mm-hmm. way you need to think for the rest yeah. of the game. Um, I know so, and it's a bit of a trial by fire as well. I know loads of people on Twitter have spoken about the bridge sequence being such a pain in the ass, really? but I think it's because they're approaching it in the way they'd approach an action mm. game, where okay, I see the target, I need to take out the target, but they're not looking around, they're not looking mm-hmm. at you know observing in the trees. Oh look, there's a bee's nest. If I wait for these two guards to meet, because. Uh, the guard has a pattern where he walks across the bridge and they talk for a bit. Um, if you wait for that moment, hit the bee's nest, they both run off and you can just walk across the bridge mm-hmm. like it's nothing. Um, and it may, and you wonder why you were struggling with that uh, bit so much before. If you, because if of you it. trank the guard that's slightly behind on the bridge, the one in front doesn't notice anyway. So it's not that difficult. Yeah. But it's weird because some people really struggle. They, with they it. kind of bundle in, just you know, blunder into that scene and, and get caught. I understand the first time around because the camera just didn't show you where that guy is on the yeah. bridge. Yeah. But you know, in, in subsistence, it, it is weird that um, you know you don't just think, well, okay, if I once you've been seen once, what is else is there to do within this environment? In, in fact, in that same scene, there's even a comical frog on top of a post. Oh, they're it, everywhere. Oh, if you shoot it, yeah. If it makes a a. Uh, well, what's it? Waka waka. waka. Yeah, there's uh, <laughs> sixty odd of those in the game. I think uh, keratans they're called. They look a little bit like uh, sort of uh, kawaii Kermit the frogs. And uh, there mm-hmm. is a uh, an achievement or a trophy for finding so, them all. A... There's even one in the extended uh, bike chase at the end, which you have to shoot while moving fast. That is not an easy one. <laughs> there's there's a, there's a lot more. of them there. Yeah. Actually, there's one in every single level, every single kind of load between loading screens. There's scene. one in every yeah. single scene. Yeah. Yeah, I can't believe we haven't mentioned your platinum trophy yet, Paul. Thank you very much. <laughs> I was trying to find ways. Well, that's how long so did it take? Long. But the thing is, I was really enjoying getting it, and the trophies are all really well designed. You know, they're, they are they're good. All yeah, part of the game and and kind of allow you to explore the game. Just how much uh, flora and fauna is there in this game? Animals and uh, vegetables to collect because you, you need everything, don't you, for the trophy? Um, yeah, to get the, the marker ranking. Um, yeah. There aren't as many as I would have thought, actually. I think there might have been about 60-odd, 64. I can't actually... Do you even have to get all the different kinds of unique snake and things like that? Because there's a legendary mystical snake. There's uh, there's three snakes in the final battle called Solidus, Liquid, and Naked, aren't there, I think? so. Yeah, you need to get the three of them when you're at the very last boss battle. (laughs) Which is actually quite difficult, but if you just save it beforehand, it's not that difficult. Sure. And the legendary one is... Uh, the Suchinoko, which is kind of, kind of weird to find. Yeah, yeah, it's invisible. Actually, you need to get the mouse traps and, and lay them about. <laughs> um, once you know how to get it, it's very easy. But obviously, you would never figure that out. That's a kind of mystical, kind of Japanese, uh, Japanese monster type, animal type thing, which is really quite surreal. And when you see it, kind of, you can, you can actually see it because right. there's a bit later on where you are stripped of all your gear, and mm-hmm. if you had that in your possession. Hmm. Um, it's actually just hanging about outside the waterfall. Is that by the waterfall? Yeah. 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 So you can see it. And it looks really bizarre. But, but um, there's not not as many as perhaps you would think. And when I first started playing on the PS2, you know that's what I was doing. I, I was <clears throat> picking up all the different snakes and, and animals and stuff like that and frogs and thinking, man, there must be hundreds of these. But there aren't actually there are very very few. 
There's like a there's like a one-off goat though, isn't there, and stuff like that, which you could miss. Mm. No, no, that's a, that's actually called a marker. Um, there's about three or four of those actually. Oh, okay. But back to Josh's point before we move on with the story, yeah, you know, and the, the whole trial by fire um, feeling of the opening level, and like just listening to our stories at the very start, as, as much as I agree with Josh, like I think the trial of fire idea is probably essential for this game because you know if you if you don't understand its mechanics, then you're just going to be t- tormented by this game throughout your entire playing experience of it. But you know, there's four other people in this podcast that. Well, as if there's three of us, and you know, even Paul found a little bit struggled. But first time round, that was enough that the trial by fire, we we took the fire and not the trial. So it, it's you know I, I I don't know whether it was successful or not because it made me not play the game for what many years. I mean, think how many years, years that is. Six, I think it's I think it was totally seven. successful actually. I think Josh uh, Josh is absolutely bang on the money. That's exactly what that whole area is designed to do. I found. The bridge specifically, in that area when you when you have to cross it, it makes you feel more isolated. You felt pretty isolated to begin with, but once you'd crossed that bridge, you felt kind of deeper in the jungle, perhaps. And there was one kind of feeling where, if you had encountered someone, or if if you kind of oh, it's hard to describe. Say if it was like in real life and you were in that area and you had encountered people on the other side of the bridge, you know there's no backtracking because you know you wouldn't be able to physically run over that bridge because you would be knocked off so it made you feel really trapped mm. in that area and it was really effective at that, I found it was absolutely brilliant and the, the, the chasm that the, the bridge kind of goes over makes it, the, the place feel absolutely huge but as uh, Josh said, that's, it's totally bang on, you have to you're literally stopped in your tracks and as Josh said, you need to stop and think that's precisely, you have to stop and actually engage your brain you know, and to to even stand a chance at doing anything further on, and if you don't do that, you will be deterred. But it's a change in mindset, and I think that's very abruptly saying but this is the point where you have to flip your mindset. Into I I just think, and and Metal Gear Solid Four has proven this. I just think there is slightly better ways that they could have implemented that as a slightly gentler learning curve, other than yeah, you're fucked. Yeah, I, I guess. <laughs> just I, like, I guess there would be, I, I'm saying that uh, there would be more elegant solutions. I think from me, for me, it definitely did work. There's one other thing I want to say about the, the virtuous mission, and this is something I've I, I only realised. I didn't really notice it in the, the HD version, but I certainly noticed it the first time I played it way back when. It's Volgan was shit scary. Did you not find like I think it was because perhaps to begin on the run up to um, Rasvet when you when you you to get um, Sokolov, you'd felt kind of. Not like a badass, you know, you couldn't just kick ass, you had to sneak about, you weren't really, really strong. And when you came across mm-hmm. Volgan, he was this mighty, powerful force on the bridge, and it just made me feel just absolutely tiny in his massive presence. I'm thinking, Jesus Christ, I'm never going to get anywhere near him. He was like a man mountain. Did anyone else find that? I wasn't terribly scared by Volgan, but I was more petrified by the upside down. B-Man. Yeah, long, yeah. Long, he's, he just come out of nowhere, and I was like, well, what's yeah, going on? Yeah, and the bulgy eyes. I've never seen this. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah the, the, the menagerie of, of freaks that make up Cobra. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but Volgin, intimidating, but he's, for me, slight, he's probably better than uh, Solidus was in Metal Gear Solid 2, but he's still got mm-hmm. that slightly campy Saturday morning cartoon thing oh, going absolutely. on. 
See, I, I definitely tour. I, I actually the one that scared me the most was the boss. Although you know she's the most yeah, yeah, beautiful, beautiful character. She's she's uh, the she's the, the real the, badass. Of, I mean that's the, yeah, that's but one the of thing. one of one of the most certainly one of the most interesting female characters in gaming. Just her ability to completely humble Snake. Mm-hmm. Like you think you're this badass, and straight yeah. away the first move, the first literal move that you try to do on her to try to take her down. Although you never really believe that his heart's going to be in it at that point. She just you know dismantles your gun in front of you, breaks your yeah. arm, and just leaves you in this almost like crying mess on this bridge. Sorry, Tony. Just to interject there, I think that scene is even more brilliant because. Um, the scene previous, Snake just takes out an entire mm-hmm. squad of guys single-handedly. So the fact that the boss can just dispatch Snake, who we've established earlier, is in fact a badass in his own right. He's, he's not raiding. So easily <laughs> means, okay, this woman is completely on a different level. Well, Jesus and, Christ. And she's also his mentor, so she knows every single one of his yeah. moves. Now, he's having to learn... You know, new skills that she doesn't know about. But if she is the the best warrior that they have, uh, which seems to be in, in the government stroke the world, then you know, then you know, how what chances he in, have now? That's obviously something that continues throughout the game and his ability to. Grow. Just in case people are uh, tuning into Kane and Rince for the first time, it does happen. Figures are always rising. Um, this is very much a spoiler show. And talking about Metal Gear Solid Three, not only will we spoil Metal Gear Solid Three, but inadvertently we'll also be spoiling. Uh, future Metal Gear or previous Metal Gear Solids um, so be careful and also credit where credit's due uh, the boss is voiced by Laurie Allen who I think is probably mm-hmm. best known for uh, Diane Simmons off of Family Guy oh I really don't know yeah <clears throat> so, so Paul quickly wh- where are we in, in the Metal Gear time chronological history oh, <laughs> pattern much, this stuff does pretty much straight at the beginning at right? the very start yeah this is where it all kind of starts off I think uh, Big Boss and Naked Snake had a kind of history. The Cobra unit as well back in uh, I've just forgotten Second World War basically. And yeah. um, but as for the the actual game, the history goes back slightly further than this. But yeah, it all pretty much starts around the the sixties and um, the whole thing between the boss and, and Big Boss. Again, it's well worth digging out the uh, if you have a PS3, the the Metal Gear Solid database, or otherwise yeah. just. Go to a wiki on your PC for uh, to tie everything together. But this game uh, is something I did want to mention in my summary. But I do think it suffers slightly from prequelitis, and it does try to tie everything together in the same way that uh, Star Wars prequels did, and Prometheus has done recently, trying to make a large universe smaller. One thing, before we go into past the virtuous mission, back to the, what we were just talking about there. I think it's really important at this point, and this is a feeling that you don't get in many games and that when we're talking about the, the, the enemies the boss, Fog and, and the Cobra unit at this point you've just been knocked off a bridge you have to heal yourself obviously but you feel as if how the hell am I going to come anywhere near any of those people because no, they're supernatural you know mm. they seem um, un- totally unbeatable the boss totally unbeatable and Volgan as well just seem to you know command the elements at this point you're like I'm just a dude yeah, you know, totally. badass but it, this really feeling that you, you feel like you're going on a journey, you know, you feel as if a lot is going to happen, and it's going to be an uphill struggle. And Absolutely. That feeling is something I find very, I don't know, enjoyable, so so early on in the in the game. Yeah, I mean, the, the hero's path in this game is that he, you know, obviously, he progresses from being just Snake to uh, somebody who becomes 
absolutely crucial in all the future uh, stories and most of that happens within the course of this game uh, in terms of his him stretching his own abilities and finding out what he's capable of and all that sort of thing it, in a weird way it's bizarre playing this after playing all the other you know the, the MSX games through into Metal Gear Solid and the Metal Gear Solid 2 and having this interlinked all, all the boss and the big boss mm. and all that stuff back together because you know as many times we're talking about those other shows it, it does become quite complex, complex and confusing the storyline of the Metal Gear franchise and to have this actually just sum it up um, playing through um, very early on, like oh, so that's the boss, and all oh, right, I get you know you, you learn at the very end of the game that you turn into the big boss, but it's, it it does do a good job of actually tying all that stuff you've seen for the last. But this the the, 15, the point I'm making years. about prequelitis this is this is very much one that was clearly written with hindsight rather than this wasn't like the story that Kojima had in his mind in 1985 when he started thinking about Metal Gear One. Possibly, but it feels like this is the game they probably should have made if they were going to do it in some sort of chronological order, that this is the game they probably should have started with and the rest of the stuff would have probably made a bit more sense along the line over Mm. the years. So, uh, Operation Snake Eater uh, comes about because... uh, So, please jump in, stop me, correct me. This is all from my notes. I'm not reading this from a synopsis or anything. Um, And from my adult brain... Uh, the U.S. are looking for a scapegoat uh, for the incident with the, the nuke, and they consider a Snake an accomplice of the defecting boss. Well, that's as far as we know it at this point anyway. Uh, we are witness to a conversation between Khrushchev and President Johnson regarding uh, the nuclear destruction of the research base, which we know Volgin was actually responsible for, and Khrushchev is uh, pretty much threatening nuclear ar- Armageddon as retaliation uh, Khrushchev offers the US one week to atone by uh, catching and punishing the boss to prove their innocence and quote do something about Volgin too as obviously as we had previously established he's part of the uh, sort of a uh, an anti-KGB faction uh, failure is likely to result in a nuclear world war uh, Major Tom changes his name to Zero via Harry. Uh, I think um, we're also introduced as well. A paramedic is back on board as uh, support to talk more about uh, the movies of the time. Um, and you also have a Mr. Sigint. Uh, anyone care to talk about Sigint? He's an African-American stereotype. Yes, that was, that was kind of what I was hoping somebody <laughs> would say. The way that he comes in with every, virtually every line is like, yo, <laughs> dude, man. He doesn't say dude, actually. But I, th- I think um, the only interaction I really had with him was the first scene where they introduce him via uh, codec. And then I never spoke to him yeah. again. Because hmm. he, d- he just didn't seem like... Because I like talking to paramedic because she was like this weird nerdy mm. person mm. who talked about films and stuff yeah, like yeah. that. And Major Zero was useful, but he just seemed like, what? what what's the point? Of just you? to tell you about, like, if um, you're he's he's the guy who, if you're holding a certain gun, he'll tell you all about it. 
Yeah, I was much more interested in finding out about frogs and snakes and stuff, which is yeah. completely weird for me, because usually when it comes to Codex, especially in MGS2, I was like, oh, get lost with your you know, your Jack and whatever love relationship. Mm. But every time I got on the Codex in Metal Gear Solid 3, I just wanted to learn more about the world, not necessarily about the guns from the uh, the stereotype guy, Mr. Sigan, but yeah, I just wanted to just know about the snakes and whether they could poison them when I threw them at the yeah. guards and... You know what what these frogs do in relation to me, and yeah, it's really interesting stuff if you if you're prepared to dig in. Do you know uh, Sagan is a DARPA chief, Donald Anderson? Ah, oh, no, I don't think I did. Don't think I made that connection. Uh, that's slightly more cool then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now I don't feel so bad. But um, I want about the the codex in this game. I see. I had the opposite reaction to Darren in this. In, in fact, I I kind of found the the Metal Gear Solid Two codex fascinating because they they kind of seem ridiculous and like just bizarre. That they're trying to figure out what the hell was going on. Mm. Where and I think some of you guys obviously quite like the the whole um, paramedic talking about um, the movies and stuff. But I it completely turned me off. I I, I listened to a couple and went, ha, that's cute. And but it felt so out of context of what the game world was presenting me. Like sure, Metal Gear is always slightly crazy. Um, you know, two was incredibly crazy, and I just felt like three had managed to bring it back to a, a reality check that none of the others really felt. You know, quite as, as grounded as this one. Maybe four does, but this one feels very grounded. So just when the paramedics started going off about Sneak, have you seen this latest film? It it never like it never felt right. It it just felt like this ridiculous codec messages that we've become to to grow and kind of love but at the same time I was like I just I, I actually don't care about this I, I'm more interested about the mission I'm more interested like Darren says about the wildlife and the snakes and stuff that I can actually you know use as combat I, I don't want to hear this ridiculous over the top you know I, I don't disagree with your reasoning for not liking it because it is just kind of absurd and out of nowhere mm. but because I'm Kind of, I'm like a massive film nerd. I think I just appreciated that on like oh, no, a film like, history. Level. Yeah, and, and I agree. I get all that. The, the, the bits that I saw, you know, it, it made me laugh. But it it felt so out of context in this game. Now that's a large thing to say because it, it features supernatural humans in, in yeah. <laughs> I know what you mean. And, but the the other games, it seemed like there was a slightly more grounded nature to it. And this one, it, you know, because I was in the wild and because maybe it was the first mission. Um, and you know, even even the the supernatural elements of the the bosses seem to be a little bit more grounded in reality. That when they she just started going off on on film quotes, it was like I did appreciate the we're, fact we're, that we're uh, they were careful, e- even in the localization, um, to uh, talk you know about films that were hmm. um, of the time. And uh, they would even she would even often say, "Well, it only came out last year, so probably you can probably still catch it at the cinema." <laughs> which of course you could back in those days. You know, things would come around again. Um, and I, I quite like that stuff. Uh, to me, it just felt like the usual, you know, the usual wacky nonsense. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, it's the it's the the first time I actually skipped through a lot of the Codex stuff. I, I was with there pretty much every single game so far, but free this one in particular, I, I kind of got the gist of it. And just every time she went off on one, I was like, "Yep, skip, yeah, skip, skip, skip." I next. find that quite shocking to hear from you. Actually, I thought you would really enjoy them. Yeah, I, I, I certainly did. I absolutely loved them all. Like it was. When I first started playing, I don't think I was smoking at the time. I obviously I smoke now. When I was playing it back at Christmas there, what I would do is I'd save it, grab a cigarette, sit by the window and <laughs> yeah. listen to her talking. Yeah, yeah. Which I really enjoyed, so it was kinda like this extra kinda curricular, extra game kinda experience. But back when back when I'd first got it, I used to really, really enjoy them. Like I would be listening to it. 
it's weird. It has the effect with me of when I'm when I'm playing this game, I am playing this game, and that's all I'm doing. I am in that world, so I want to mm-hmm. experience everything. And as as you were saying earlier, um, you know, kicking about, picking up all the animals and stuff, all that kind of extra stuff, is for me, it's such a massive part of the game. For other people, it may be ancillary, but for me, it's like it's all part and parcel of you know when you when you when you're like watching a film and you really like it, you look up maybe the history of it and you you do more research on it Always. maybe on the internet. Yeah, well, that was for me. It was that was kind of all part of it. And it seemed to be boundless, you know, it never seemed to be this script, you know, it seemed to be this kind of weird, majestic game that, you know, just had all this mad information and and crazy uh, conversations. And I just loved that, I absolutely adored it, and and no other game does that, and I I think the fact that it wasn't in keeping with the the tone of the game kept, kept it in my mind from being serious. You know, it, it was kind of jocular, and, and that kind of contrasted really well for me, so it, a bit of maybe comic relief, you know, made it made each element stand out more, made, made the comic uh, subject matter stand out more, and the kind of seriousness of, of the war. So, I love them, I, I wouldn't have them, I wouldn't have a game, a Metal Gear game without them, I thought they worked really, really well. And yeah, it, it is interesting because everything you said there to me has context on all the other Metal Gear games that I played. Like I, I understand the appeal of the Codex. You know, a lot of people, obviously, there's a hell of a lot of people I know that just skip every single one. Um, you know, if it was mission cr- uh, critical, of course I would watch them. But just the, the paramedic film stuff just literally broke me out of this world. Now that could actually be a testament to how in, you know how immersed I actually felt in the environment, mm-hmm. rather than the other games where they felt like stage plays. Um, so you know, that's that's possibly, but um, you know, it's, I guess it's horses for courses. Yeah. But yeah, you know, that was my particular feeling. I on guess it kind of maybe took you out of the world, but listen to them, put me in that time. If you mm. know what I mean, when she's talking about this new technology and the games that have just came out, it made it may feel as if it was you know back in the sixties type thing. Am I right in saying that they kept the movie codec conversations after yeah. the save, mm-hmm. uh, or because yeah that. That was appreciated to me because you knew you were you were going to get that. It's not like they just they just sprung one upon you during mid game and yeah. you started going on like Godzilla. It was sort of like I've saved, so I'm at like a relaxed state anyway because I'm saving. And then yeah, like Paul said, like he's just chilling out listening to some movie quotes. Uh, well, not well you can just hold down the triangle button uh, or probably press X. I don't know. Absolutely, yeah. I get that. Uh, one thing I did want to mention before we go on too much further, I meant to mention this right at the start actually, uh, particularly for people who uh, might listen to this show and then want to play this game for the first time because we get a lot of feedback saying that that, that's what happens Uh, the little menu thing at the start which is I'm playing the MGS series for the first time I like MGS 1, I like MGS 2 or I like MGS 3 if you're playing the subsistence version Um, that's really confusing at first because you have no idea what it's going to uh, mean, what it actually means is very little uh, if you choose Metal Gear Solid 2, you get access to the uh, Raiden or Rykov mask, uh, or you're wearing it, sorry, in the opening scene. Um, if you choose I, I like MGS 3, you get some extra camouflages. Um, not sure about MGS 1 or uh, MGS for the first time, but it doesn't change anything too dramatically in terms of gameplay, I don't think. Wonder how many people chose I like MGS. I did. I chose that every time I played it. I was going to ask actually, did you get the mask? Had you not chosen that option? Yeah, you do. Yeah, exactly. That, that yeah, makes sense. Geometry. But they don't trick you into thinking you're playing Raiden. Yeah. <laughs> 
It's a great mask. It looks yeah, like so it. how do they do that? It's amazing. Um, yeah, and also the, the difficulty levels, which um, at first you have the usual four, I think it is very easy, easy, normal and hard, which does quite significantly alter the experience. But once you've completed the game, you unlock extreme and the uh, insane European extreme, which is game over on any sighting. Uh, and, of course, this the game also rewards no-kill playthroughs and all the usual stuff. Uh, yeah, I mean, let's let's quickly set up as well. Then, how did you? What was your playstyle for this? Um, I personally went for no kills and failed with one, which really yeah. annoyed me. And of course, you have it rubbed in so your I face tranked. by uh, by the sorrow. Yeah, uh, yeah, by the sorrow. Yeah, at the very end, and I know the guard, the actual guard I managed to kill. It didn't click with me at the time, but. Um, as I progressed, and it was about four hours on, I was like, oh, Was I it the usual uh, trank someone off a bridge <laughs> trick? No, it was, um, it was, as you're walking through the, like, this swamp area, you come to the swamp area for the first time, you've got these hover uh, yeah, yeah, guys yeah. on top Little of Little UFO things. things. If you Brilliant. shoot, yeah, if you shoot them, then they crash down and explode, and of course, if, even if you trank the guard, once it explodes... So what's your option with those if you're on a no-kills playthrough? I wouldn't. Um, there's a crocodile suit, which you can find um, earlier in the game, and then you can just basically swim up that lake dressed cool. as a crocodile and they can't see you. You can also avoid their spotlights. If you dive under the water and swim under the water and just avoid their lights, mm. you can get past them. Does the no-kills playthrough include uh, tranking all the bosses as you can in the previous game? Yeah, yeah, but they, yeah, they appear yeah. in the Sorrow, so, because ultimately they kind of die at the end of yeah, they pretty fight, much all commit suicide, don't they? It doesn't count against you. Yeah, so I, I missed out by one, which is annoying. But for me, I, I love doing it that way. Now, the, the other play styles, of course, you could run and gun. Uh, I watched a few videos where people were running around with shotguns yeah. doing speed runs. And just kill it, and I was like, what? That's I, 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 <laughs> I kill everyone. I hate stealth games. So that it's is not, crazy. Uh, it's fun. Okay, well, actually, let, let me explain the, the reasons why I love the stealth <laughs> element and not just belittle your uh, your playstyle. Um, now, I see, I love it because it, it takes time. It takes you know hiding in the grass, using your camo to the full the full effect, um, lining up the shots, making you get sure you get the headshot, um, dropping them down, and uh, you know surveying your environment and not setting off alarms. Now, I'm not saying I got through without setting off any alarms because you know occasionally you know a guard would fall where they shouldn't fall, or you know whatever someone would happen to spot me. But part of Metal Gear for me is playing in, in a way where you are on a sneaking mission and you're trying to get through. And it was really satisfying, even though I failed by one guard, <laughs> to say that you know every you know I didn't kill anybody in the game. I'm one of those people who uh, for who mostly not always, and I can get into it for little periods at a time. But by and large, stealth gaming makes me uh, several things: irritable, but- bored, and uh, angry. Strange. I I wouldn't even call it stealth gaming though. I just think it's it's taking your time. Yeah, I hate that. Other stealth like Splinter Cell is is t- <laughs> yeah. stealth gaming. But it, it felt really organic to to Metal Gear as a series. Now I'm, I'm talking, and hopefully other guys are also playing. My way stealth, of playing but... it through was turn down the difficulty level and play play with the sandbox of fucking around with the enemies. That that to me is fun. I'm like the opposite of you, Ratso. Yeah. Uh, to be quite honest, because uh, um, I I just I live for that. The high of getting through an area without anyone knowing that you were even there doesn't compare to anything else in gaming yeah. for me. I just never got like, that buzz. It's just, it's just like it's just a it's like a yeah. oh thank God for that. It's not like woohoo I'm brilliant. It's like <laughs> fucking hell that was irritating. That was boring. That was slow. But I totally appreciate the other uh, the other viewpoint. Yeah. Um, I because um, Tony was talking about being. Comp- 
uh, completely non-lethal. Um, I'm ultra stealthy, but because I kind of like fucking with the soldiers, I can't be completely mm. non-lethal. I have to throw a snake at one of them at least once <laughs> during the playthrough because it's too hilarious to see the guy go, oh my god, there's yeah. a snake, and then just die. And and the guys come over to him and can like... Can you chuck... Uh, I know you can catch because I caught various animals uh, live, um, which stops them... I think if you save the game and turn it off for too long, your all your food goes um, molt, goes rotten. Goes off. Um, but yeah. your your live stuff stays alive. Uh, I think so. If you eat a fresh rabbit, that's that's secure. But can you like chuck a one of your cages containing something completely harmless at a guard, and it just makes them go? Yeah, what I think fuck? you can. Yeah, right, okay. I did that. <laughs> so Paul, mm-hmm. uh, what's your playstyle? Your preferred Metal Gear playstyle? Uh, yeah, usually stealth, but. You know, I do like what, um, what you were saying, going through an area and, and not being seen. And it is that feeling that, you know, they didn't know I was there, which is fantastic. But, you know, if I am seen, if someone pulls a gun on me, they're, they're getting killed very quickly. Mm-hmm. You know, so I don't I don't really have any comment. I can, if I can avoid it, if I can avoid killing them, then I totally will. But if I've been spotted and they it, pull it, a gun, it, then uh, I have to kill them. It's almost counterintuitive in a way because once the alarms go off, then you have more soldiers coming rushing out at you. I guess if you're just shooting everybody, that's not really an issue. But certainly in my case, once you got spotted, spotted, and alarm went off, that was a real panicky. Like I need to get out of this area. I need to hide somewhere where they can't see me. So it, it does add to a very different playstyle um, or playing experience, I'd imagine, and even in some respects a context of how you integrate the story. I think it's great that across the six through. difficulty levels that are ultimately available and using the various unlocks and awards and things there there you can play this game any number of different ways i think that's that's a really good thing um because i find mm. pure hard cold stealth games uh, completely unappealing so this i can get into in and play it in a completely other way i play it more like an old uh, i mean this game kind of reminds me in some ways of old konami games like pre pre metal gear 1 games like russian attack and jackal in the sort of setting and um and i like playing it more like those it's like a action soldier so- what what difficulty did you have? I had it. My my one playthrough so far is on oh, as well, easy, easy, but I, I am now playing it again oh, on right. normal. And I've played it up to a certain point on normal before, um, but I would never bother playing it on hard or above because I've just got no interest in that whatsoever. So so did you even go uh, use anything like the suppression? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yes. All right, so, so there oh, was yeah. some... Yeah, I, some... I, I, Consciousness of not setting. Every oh God, yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not playing it blazing. exactly like um, Commando or something. It's. I'm not playing Ikari Warriors, but uh, it's. It's more like that. And I, I have more fun if I. If I decide to go into a section and just want to um, blow up barrels with an RPG, I'll do that because that to me is more fun than doing the whole. Oh, no one knew I was there. Thing. I don't give a. I don't give a shit about that. <laughs> it, it is, but it is so odd because it's. I'd feel like it's almost a completely different play experience. Um, for instance, like later on, we we talk about there's uh, the helicopter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hein, Hein V that it, is in every single game. Like in that particular one, you can jump on a turret, take it down, blow it up, and have you know have a. Does that count as a kill? For me. I would, I would what about the so. chase with um, the million bikes at the end? Can you not kill those people? Oh, you just shoot them with drink guns. I mean, it's... <laughs> Don't they <laughs> you crash just and take die? your time. Oh, those ones, yeah. That doesn't okay. count on those, okay. I assume. It, yeah, I, I, they were actually... That is funny when you shoot one and it takes out three bikes along the road. But, you know, for instance, the Heim V for me was a case of 
climbing up the side of that mountain, going into every you know crevice that they have that you can hide in, letting it pass. Like it was a real tense moment yeah. because you didn't want to be able to be seen by that thing. Where there was, I must admit, at that point, I was like, I wonder if I could. It's a totally down. different game, and to be honest, if I didn't have a backlog of. Twenty-five years of games, um, and I had all the time in the world, and I didn't do a podcast where we had to complete games every week. I would probably give it a go, but I think it's as much as anything. The reason the, the reason I get irritable and impatient with it is because I'm thinking, oh God, I could be playing this so much faster and getting on with something else, which is kind of a shame. But you know, it's uh, it comes with the territory, I suppose. I just uh, unlike a pure stealth game, I think there's there's room for the for the even if you you, you screw up a shot. Um, for the game to you know let you get out of the way and it's not as punishing and, you know I found Metal you know Metal Gear two um, a lot more punishing than than this was playing this through in like a yeah my actual total stuff. kills um, I got the I got the the usual rank I get I think of Panther um, my total kills wasn't astronomical I didn't just I didn't slaughter thousands it was yeah it's I, it's not quite that bad i got to admit it's uh, it's it's i i used my um my my trank more than i used uh my my guns but then on the second playthrough you get the patriot with unlimited bullets in uh which is quite good fun yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah my first playthrough was pretty much kill or be killed uh i'll trank everyone run out of trank darts and then move over to the pistol and only with the silencer. I would never really try and take down guys without silencers attached. Um, so when I ended up wading through the, the river, the, the way I trank people was I trank them and then I'd kill them. Yeah, I do that <laughs> too. Yeah, yeah. That. It's like, uh, so you're tranked, what, they'll pick you up and I'll snap your neck and you're like, okay, and if I can, I'll try and yeah. throw them off a bridge as well. Just just to make yeah. sure they're not I wish there were back. more places. Like I love the bit in on, on the tanker on Metal Gear Solid 2 where you throw them overboard. Uh, I was hoping it, there would yeah. be more places you could do that, but I did find that if you uh, if you do knock the two guards out on the aforementioned uh, wooden bridge, if you just uh, sort of wobble the bridge from side to side, eventually they roll off into the water. Yeah, that that counts as well. <laughs> yeah. so you can't do that. Your, your your snake sounds such more badass than mine. I'm like all peaceful, going around with flowers and you know telling stories and making them fall asleep, and you're going around just putting bullets in their heads. I put Crazy. that down to me being rubbish yeah, at stealth game, so I'm ensuring that they're not going to come back and yeah, give and... me grief. It's like okay, I'm making sure you're dead and you're dead, and like everyone basically everyone needs to die before I move on to so, the next bit. So I mean, I, we, we will get on to the story, but there's more stuff that interests me. So the the sections where you can dress up as a scientist and, oh yeah and still do that through and and oh, yeah. you still do that you don't just go around like every scientist must oh die. no no I, I try and avoid game. unnecessary civilian casualties but if it happens it happens like you know and also like where you have to you have to get the uh, Rykoff a guy to um, get his uniform I didn't see the point in leaving him alive. <laughs> so when you dressed up as the scientist, um, you can get a cigarette to knock people out. Am I right in saying yeah. that? Yeah, I, I, I did that. But then I'd because I'm I'm just an idiot. But when it comes to these games, I'd end up like just doing it wrong, and someone would see me, or I think I did it to the wrong person. A cigarette and set the to knock people off. out. So yeah, you you basically yeah. have a cigarette smoke, and it has like a trank uh, poison right. in the smoke, I guess. And you can base you walk up to them as a a, a scientist, so they just don't think, okay, yeah, you're a scientist, and then you blow smoke in their um, face and they drop down. You also can get a, a chloroform a handkerchief that you can stick over their face. And I know that if the they if they start yeah. to suspect you, if you press the action button, you push your glasses back up your nose, and that convinces them that you're ah, a real scientist. That's how you do it. That's what I did wrong then, because I, I did a puff of smoke and it like went nowhere. And they're like, <laughs> um, 
who are you? And you're like, oh shit. <laughs> and then it all kicks off and then just hunkering down in a corner, just like, you know, in a box, just waiting for the timer to go down. I, I do try as hard as I can to be a stealth ninja, but it, it all almost always goes wrong for me. And, um, it's quite fun. It's, it's just funny because let's say watching some, I, I watched someone do a speed run, um, a little section of a speed run and, and he was running through with a shotgun, just killing everybody. And I was yeah. like, what, what is this game? This isn't the game that I played. That was my second playthrough. That was my second playthrough. It was the gun you get after completing the game is unlimited ammo, as we said earlier, and that was my second playthrough. It took about three and a half hours. I was going nuts. It was yeah, it's totally different experience. I think for me, because I like playing on the hard difficulty for this, because it forces you to be hardcore stealth. Mm -hmm. um, That like playing that way would just seem mental to me. Because that's like a one-way ticket to die in the yeah, harder, of course, dif- yeah. Uh, harder difficulty. Yeah, it's worth... I mean, there, there, without going into the absolute nitty-gritty of it, there are quite a few different ways in which the difficulty levels are different. So you've got different amounts of uh, health. The enemies see you from farther away. Uh, what other mm-hmm. things? There's quite a lot of sort of small things that you might not necessarily... They follow blood trails as well. Yeah. If you stab a guy and they leave blood on the floor, they'll be like, "What's mm. this blood mm. on the floor?" And they'll find. Yeah, it's it's, inc- it's extremely. There are there are a lot of subtle factors which come into play as you put up the difficulty levels, and I think it's definitely worth try. I think there's a good game in there for almost anyone, but I think it's it could have quite a significant bearing on how much you enjoy it as to whether you're playing it on the right difficulty level for you as a person. It's it, you know, it's interesting because we've had this Twitter conversation with Ben Ford, Fordy of Twitter. Lovely guy. Now, he he's really struggled with mm. the stars of this game and it's it's almost like we were telling him he's been playing it wrong. Which is it's a well, several of us struggled with the start as we really. as we've established. Yeah, and we yeah. we did, but um, I I think kind of listening to your story, we, in fact, you know, if 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 you feel like oh, all that stealthy bollocks gets in the way, like you can, there is a legitimate if you dump, bump it yeah. down to the easier settings. And nothing is kind of power nothing your, your other through. than trophies are locked out to you. Uh, it, like the 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 whole game is still there. Um, and that it, it's not like it finishes early or you or you miss a load of content you can play it through see the whole story and 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 I think that's great you know so yeah try it try on a different setting by all means you might have you might have fun with it because there's so much just to see and do anyway if you're just one of those people that just mm-hmm. it, it's a game on on the lower settings that you can just have a lot of fun with you know uh it, it, obviously it's far less intense maybe ultimately less satisfying and rewarding but uh, but highly enjoyable in its own way yeah, there is some great moments though if you are playing it stealthy where you've got your camo setting uh, you know if, if, we haven't talked about the camo but if you get camo you can use different things you can find mm. different camo within the environment as you progress through um, so that can be you can change into a scientist to blend in within obviously a, a scientist lab but in particular if you're out in the environment you can go in your camo index and it will tell you whether it's plus 15 for the area you're in or minus you know 10 whatever so you, you get a, a general feel of how hidden you are now if you're very hidden so you can be up you know in around about the 80 percent like they can barely see you you can go higher than that but it's it's unusual yeah. um and yeah there were some great moments where i'm i've been in grass sitting at 80 percent and the guard is literally like mm. half an inch away from my face it's like gilly's in there, the mist just, and uh yeah. and i'm like oh my god and he's like he's got comrades behind him so you can't just shoot that guy and you, you wait for their patterns to move off on and you can then sneak behind him like i don't know to to not have that in a metal gear game to me would seem odd but i you know, i i don't i don't enjoy 
lying in the grass in video games very very much at all. Um, it's something I can do in real life, and uh, you know it's quite pleasant. But yeah, I've, I've never I've never <laughs> seen I've never seen the appeal of that that non gaming stealth gaming where you're just going. Ooh, I, m- I must admit, you know, the first time I played uh, that famous Gillies in the Mist level on Call of Duty Four, uh, I did think that was very cool. It was a, a, as a one-off moment. It was extremely tense and, and extremely well done. But I don't. Yeah, it's just a personal thing. I just don't enjoy. It's it's non-interactive gameplay, and uh, I have enough. I, I have enough. Um, like I I quite enjoy the, uh, the the camouflage stuff and the camo suits, but. There's a lot of uh, men- menu fannying about. There's, you know, there's so many camouflage suits to find and collect, well, and, and face paints. Anybody that has continued following the series, they know that four kind of you know, addresses all that, and it's all done in an yeah. automatic style. But I, I would say it's a bit harsh to call it non-interactive gameplay because the interactive part is, you know, you as the player being slightly tense on edge and worried about. Well, it's, you know, it's your next about scene. observation. It's about being patient, observing the guards' patterns, and thinking, right, okay, this is my moment to move and or or strike or attack or whatever. This is the perfect moment. Um, which to me I, I find thrilling sure. because if I execute something perfectly, then it's the. I, I just find I the frustration of getting game. it slightly wrong outweighs any potential gains for me. Yeah. When you're lying in the grass, uh, it, does it always force the first person camera? I couldn't find any way to go into third yeah, person when does. you're lying in the grass. I found that uh, really frustrating. I'm sure they Ford changed did as well. that in four. Yeah, because I think a lot of people complained about that. And in four, if it you go right the to the edge of the grass, to, this proves that I have done it. If you go right mm. to the edge of the grass, you can still say stay with the same camo index, but the camera will pull back out. Yeah, and I, I quite like the security of being in the middle of the grass, but for the first like three or four hours, it was just like, well, I'm in the grass, where are they? And uh, you'd have to poke your head up and then realise, oh, I've been spotted, and that was a bit of a stumbling block as well, as the uh, the controls. Yeah, I d- like I said, I don't want to say anyone was playing it wrong, and certainly Leon, like, I think, you know, whatever, whichever way you're playing, you, you took the experience you wanted this with. It's just, I've not seen, I, I've not experienced people playing Metal Gear Solid in the kind of run and gun way. That's it, it seemed alien to me when I if saw. If you it think video, about the, the original MSX games that we did play on this, there's a lot of uh, classic '80s style running and gunning in that. True, but I mean that's it's almost like so abstract from where the series is. Time well, to free, not really. I, I don't know. Not to me. I guess that's the difference. I don't see it that way. I like I said, this game actually reminds me of of eighties Konami games in a lot of ways. Sure, it's got some sophisticated elements, and all that stealth stuff is lovely and there for people to enjoy it. But you simply don't have to play it that way if you don't want to. But well, and I, and I guess in my point of view is that there's so many games where I can run and gun in to do it in one where I have the option not to participate in that seems. I don't know, slightly alien to me, but like I say, we are well caught up on that, and we haven't even got okay. past the preacher bit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so um, at this point, uh, we learn of uh, agents Adam and Eva. As it turns out, we never actually see Adam, or do we? Actually, we do. We don't know we do until mm-hmm. the end. Eva uh, introduces the R1 for tits mechanic, uh, and the next morning, the <laughs> R1 for arse mechanic. So, so you've yeah. actually gone back to the site that's been nuked as well. As a, a you've gone back in. As yeah, you you end up in the same place as you were. You were in the virtuous mission, which is 
which confused me because I'm like, that's a really bad yeah, idea. Yeah, yeah. a nuclear disaster. But okay. And the house seems, apart from a little bit of rubble... Well, I think the nuke blast fine. was off at the installation just a, a little way away, so I think it's okay. Um, <laughs> you also learn at this point, you're, you're, you're taught that if you uh, save and quit, um, your character will sleep, um, which can be beneficial. I'd never used that feature myself. Uh, is it, was it yeah, I believe so, yeah. yeah. Which you can do well, yeah, things, I didn't. So. I thought maybe it's one of those things that's essential on the higher settings. Doesn't, doesn't also your wounds heal, I believe, as well? I, I, I've, I've seen... Uh, yeah, your wounds heal. Um, if you but also that, your rations so you might go off, depending on how long you have the game switched well, off for. There's, there's yeah. also certain... Um, well, Paul might be able to tell us a bit more than this, but there is also certain, uh, I believe, ranks that you can get if you don't actually eat any yep. food. Um, so what people do is actually they put their clock on their PS3 yep. or whatever they were playing at the time forward by a few days, thus their stamina comes back <sighs> up and stuff like that. It's quite quite funny. Yeah, it's crazy stuff. Uh, can Okay, so anybody that's played this game will know what uh, Leon is talking about when he talks about the R1 for boob cam. <laughs> I, it's so weird as well because we've had the boss who, like, because this series, let's be honest, hasn't had many positive portrayals of women. Even Meryl, who's kind of badass, is still a bit of a sex object. So when you have the boss there and she's like, quite, she's quite progressive mm-hmm, female yeah. character, and you're like, oh, okay, maybe Kojima's, <laughs> you know. Um, grown uh, up a bit, and then Eva shows up, <laughs> and she's by far the worst example of sexual uh, objectification. She's the, the woman who series. unzips her biker suit to get on her bike. <laughs> and I kind of get it in the first scene because she, she's actually using her femi- femininity to actually kind of in, in, entice Snake into a yeah. trap almost. Like she, yeah. she's using, yeah, she's. You well, know, it's she's revealed later that and... that's what she's kind of doing the whole way through. She is a classic yeah, and... Bond uh, femme fatale in that regard, but it's so I... crass. Yeah, I, I get that, and I so I actually don't mind it in the first scene. And in fact, you know you. It, Although the game says you press R one, like you have the choice to do that or not. Like that's actually you staring at her breasts. Like the game, you could just look at her face, but you know you choose to stare at her breasts, and you know quite frankly, not likely not to because it's giving you mm. prompt on the screen to do so. My bigger issue that it continues throughout the entirety of the game, apart from a couple of scenes where she has her, her top done up to get on her bike and drive. Wobble physics um, as well. For, yeah, through the rest of the game, she just has her breasts out and mm. show all the time, like. This is who I am, and even at completely inappropriate parts of the story, she's just sitting there with her breasts out. And, and also, Snake, what, what is up with that guy? <laughs> like, it's like he's never been around a woman before. It's like, oh my god, what, what, what are these in front of me? It's like, what are you, yeah, what are you doing? Be I didn't quite actually sort of get... There's the whole sort of he he resists and resists and resists and it's it's difficult to tell is that because he's socially inept because he's a virgin because he should just be getting on with the mission because he's incredibly isolated a as soldier. a human yeah. being is it is it just a combination of factors no, I, I think that is true yeah I I think it is just you know he's he's this man that's been you know designed as a soldier and um like you know, he doesn't have experience with if that Kojima's kind of doing the Bond thing behavior. why doesn't he just fuck her. Well, you know, he, get, he does at the, yeah. the end of the game, but I don't. It just to me, it felt overly crass when you, you you're sitting there. You have the boss, who's a really interesting character. Then you have Eva, who's actually an interesting character in her own right. Yet, I think most most of 
you know those scenes with her in because her breasts are half hanging out you can't help but you know it's shoving yeah. it in your face i mean it just it breaks down what charm that she has it's it, that there's an choice. interesting there's an interesting character in there yeah. but it's hard to see that when you have this you know sexual imagery just being flapped in front of your face and it's hard to take it seriously because of it so um there, at some point at this stage you uh, you could come across an enemy encampment where you find a, a large helicopter which snake dubs the it looks a bit like a hind he says <sighs> i really don't like that stuff um, you can blow it up there and avoid fighting it later on which is cool you can also uh, yes go, see go. I, I, I attempted this with some yeah. C4 they were like yeah well, maybe something will happen if you strap C3, it to the, uh, the helicopter or hind we haven't ah, C4 sorry, hasn't been invented yet <laughs> it's true <laughs> so yeah I, I put a few blocks of it on there and you know destroyed it and I sort of semi-alarmed the guards nearby or whatever because they heard the explosion and then it came back and bit me in the ass later on up the mountain. I don't know if it was a bug or what, but I was convinced. I was like, yes, I'm the best. Like, no, no one had told me to explicitly blow up the helicopter and therefore it won't, mm. you know, it won't come back later on. But I definitely blew it up and it came back and started abusing there me. There are multiple on. hinds uh, at the top of the mountain, aren't there, in fact? You can take. Is it C3 years or is it, is it not TNT? You don't get C3 too much. Oh, yeah, you only get C3, yeah, um, later in the game. Uh, plastic explosive from from uh, from Eva. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you get the TNT in the same bit where the the helicopter is. So uh, I think I can't even remember now. There was one or maybe two, but I definitely did take down the the, the hind there, and later on it gave you those uh, the special soldiers with the really floaty things instead of the helicopter. <laughs> um and uh, yes, another uh, cool thing you can do in this game is you can TNT enemy supply huts, right? Mm-hmm. And this yep. does a thing. Oh, it makes them hungry yeah. and, and lowers their stamina so it's easier to track them. There's also less guards as well. It, 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 you know, because there's less there's less food for guards to actually turn up, so there's actually that's less really cool. Oh, I didn't I didn't notice that. Actually. I didn't notice it. Was mm. And also, they will always eat if you throw rations in their direction to distract them. Oh, of course. It was around about this time where I started interrogating people and learning how to do mm. that. And, you know, you sneak up behind him, you threaten him with your knife, and he says, speak, and then they start telling you stuff. And one guy told yeah. me this codec mm. number, and it was like 140.53 or uh, yeah. 148.39. And I tuned into it, and it was some sort of, like, Beach Boys music Those, or listen, something. We, it was we amazing. Have the songs, um, which we'll, uh, we'll, we'll talk about section later on, because I, I, I did think this game is worthy of its own little Easter egg section. Yeah, there's, there's a whole bunch of songs in there. Ah. Healing Radio, Healing indeed. Radio. Uh, Hornets <laughs> turn up at this point, uh, similar to the ones you've seen um, in the uh, Virtuous Mission, in, uh, with, surrounding one of the freaks in the helicopter. Uh, you leap into a cave. Then there's a quite a cool cave section. Um, Oh, uh, Ratso, I think we skipped past the... Uh, oh, yes, I did, Ocelot, sorry, yes. Ocelot uh, turns up, summons his crew, but then dismisses them, although they kind of hang around and help. Um, and then you have a, a boss fight in a, a, a traditional Metal Gear, very small arena boss fight with Ocelot, which is it's pretty straightforward. Well, it was for me on easy anyway. I don't know if it's, uh, I don't know if it's tougher on the higher levels, but it's, uh, it's the usual Ocelot stuff where he's hiding behind a rock. You can flush him out with grenades and stuff. 
Mm. I went yeah. for a stamina kill on this one, and I, I really, really enjoyed the experience. Like, you know, knocking down the hornet's nest, so he starts, I think he starts itching himself, and then you, uh, you can throw flashbangs and bits and bobs to make mm-hmm. his stamina bar go down. I really, really enjoyed, apart from the fury, all the bosses and their stamina variants. It's, yeah, um, cave section, really uh, this was, it looks great. This is the point where we say, blue point on the HD version, done a fantastic job. The game looks really nice, um, even, you know, for a, for an HD remake for a last gen game. Yeah, I mean, I, I, me and uh, Josh were talking about this on Twitter, and I, th- I think you know, there's a few people like where well, you got to play the original to to really talk about it, what? and I, I completely never get behind that because, well, it it seems no, to be like this. No oh, said that to me. Oh, you mean you're not playing the original? And I I think I I think me, me and Josh both agree with this. Like, it feels like whenever you're playing one of these HD collections, if they don't write anyway, that you're yeah, just exactly. you know, you're watching yeah. the Blu-ray version. You know, would you choose to go back and, and you know load up your VHS tape or your DVD if you had the ability? If to we were, if there? most probably not. Kit, Absolutely. If we were playing a game where they'd completely remade it from the ground up, like if we said we're going to do a, a Resident Evil One show, but we only played the GameCube version and didn't play the PS One original, that would that wouldn't be right because there are huge fundamental changes to sections of the gameplay. But this is the yeah. exact same game; it just runs in a higher frame rate and looks nicer. Well. Yeah. I think I think this should if you've played the original and you're replaying the HD version, then there's a bit of a schism there. You know, like uh, mm. Eco in the Shadow of the Colossus, uh, Shadow of the Colossus collection. It's not the same because you did, you did play that on standard def, you know, and it had that weird yeah. sort of focus, the blood and a lot of fog, you know, um, and that was very atmospheric. So I, I dare say people who played that and then played the HD version will say, "Oh no, no, you have to play the original." But had you not played the original, I think you know the HD versions are. We've all we've all played fine. we've all played just the SD original, even if we haven't all completed it anyway. So we're all familiar with it. Mm-hmm. Well, I think you have to be sympathetic to that. I I, I think like Paul says, like the, the fog in games, like that that was a thing of the game at the time, and you know if they can eliminate it, sometimes that makes a game feel very much different. But with the, with the HD collection, um, you know, I've, I've actually still got my. Original Metal Gear free disc and and not the the subsistence one, so I was able to complete the HD collection, then go back and actually you know mess around in the, my PS2 copy. Uh, thankfully, I've still got a 60 gig <laughs> launch uh, PS3. So well, like, I hope you turn the time. upscaling and smoothing um, off. And you know, <laughs> oh, yeah, you want to play it on far. a CRT? Yeah, well, for I didn't go that far, not but, you know, <laughs> But um, it was interesting to um, experiment with the camera again, like after I've been playing with this free-flowing camera, and it was also interesting to see actually what the game was looking like, you know, previously to this HD collection. And all I will actually say is they've done a yeah, fantastic yeah. job of upresing the textures because the fundamental of what the environments looks like is all there, and how the game is presented in itself, the cutscenes. All it just feels like is that they've taken a really good polish and look of everything and just fixed all the little you know inconsistencies that have, were there in the original PS2 one. So why would you not Absolutely. want to play the HD this is, ones? This, this is probably the best HD collection that I've certainly played anyway. So, Along with Ico and Shadow, yeah. Mm-hmm. I've only played them briefly, but I, I, again, I didn't have, have the same kind of charm because I had played the PS2 ones, so it, it felt very kind of new and cleaned well, up. I, I think with me and Shadow of the Colossus, I appreciated that the frame rate oh, of the HD version was dramatically better. But I agree with you in that this Metal Gear HD collection is by far the best because it, it feels like they've enhanced it in every way they can it, without actually just remaking the entire game. It, it is actually quite odd because um, playing through this, there, there's at times where you couldn't differentiate that this would not be a, a brand new 
you know, Xbox 360 or PS3 title. Apart from, you know, if you have played the Metal Gear 4 stuff, you know that the textures would, you know, there's bump maps on textures yeah. and stuff. Like, there's a lot of smooth services and stuff that they wouldn't do now. But the actual presentation of the content that's on inside that disc, like, many games don't actually attempt half the stuff, certainly in the environmental um, kind of detail in, in the way that you've got waterfalls and lakes and, you know, different geometry which you know you you barely see in a lot of the uh, newer games so and and just this different scenery um like the game you know it goes from jungle back to interiors to you know slightly different you know in environments all the time it, it just feels like this could be sent, presented as yeah. a, a brand it's not brand it's not like rather than just gobsmackingly gorgeous but it's very attractive and it's it's yeah very atmospheric though it reminds me of um, the Ocarina of Time 3D, sort of HD remake, if you like to call it that, where your brain, when you look at the 3D version of Ocarina of Time, it looks great, but that's how you remember it back uh, in the day. I think the Vita version has just come out. Is it today? Or, yeah, um, I guess none of us have What's seen today? it. Yeah, uh, I would imagine it would be. Um, they just patched the PS3 version to include um, transferring and all that, so you can share your save save games and so on. There are oh, new menu options in there, I noticed earlier. Uh, obviously, the Xbox 360 version doesn't have that. I gather both HD collections are almost identical. I think we discussed this on the Metal Gear Solid 2 show. What we should say, though, is because it had its standalone releases, that the 3DS version of uh, Snake Eater is meant to be problematic. I tried the demo, yeah. it's um, It looks good, don't get me wrong. It looks nice in the cutscenes, and yeah, it sounds just like as you'd expect. Yeah. But the frame rate does take a hit during some like manic moments. You're like, ah. Oh. And I even tried turning the 3D off to sort of get some frame rate back, and That's it doesn't really help. You it. can't have that, because in the HD collection, the frame rate is absolutely stunning. The, the mm. 60 frames, I think I've mentioned this in the previous podcast, is there's a t- if you watch the credits, there's a team that were devoted to mm. 60 frames per second. And it's abundantly clear because it's especially in, in Peace Walker and in three, the, the frame is just it's silky yeah. smooth and it it feels much nicer to yeah, play. Yeah, this was a, this was a late PS2 release and it was pushing the system and I think it runs at maybe 25 to 30 frames on PS2 off the top of my head. That's how I remember it looking and entirely playable. But uh, even just the camera control with the second stick and uh, another thing I was going to say while we keep sidetracking ourselves was. Um, oh. After I completed my first playthrough and started uh, my second on the same save loop, for some reason it had uh, changed the camera back to the original Snake Eater version, and I can so I, I actually unwittingly ended up experiencing that for a while um, earlier. And uh, ouch, it's really difficult. Don't you press in the control? Oh, maybe that's what I did. Okay, switches right. back. To uh, yeah, so yeah. that's um, that's worth doing just to see the huge levels of improvement. Um, and then, of course, on the Metal Gear Solid Four show, we'll talk about the uh, the things that I think Ryan Payton was particularly responsible for bringing in to make the game even more like a a modern video game instead of some bizarre Japanese relic. But did, does anyone know if those those Metal Gear Solid Four controls have been transferred back? down the series I, I, like I say I just I seem to have very little control issues and I remember no, I mean, going no. back and playing the definitely PS2 definitely not no. um, because odd. I recorded a quick rinse uh, for Metal Gear Solid 4 recently and yeah. it felt very different from no, Metal three... Gear Solid 3 so yeah, I don't know it, I think it might mm. be the 360 controller for you Tony because I know you love that controller I love that controller yeah. but so uh, but I'm quite happy playing Metal Gear with and, the with the DualShock because it's yeah. it's where it's most at home and as as discussed it, I'm not yeah. sure about the pressure sensitive buttons on the 360 controller 
So just to go back to the 3DS version just for a second, uh, there's one noticeable thing that really cheesed me off. When you're crossing that bridge that we mentioned before, it's gyro controlled. <laughs> and I was, I, was, <laughs> oh, no. I was lying down on my bed at the time, just like on my back. Just, and I was walking across the bridge and it's like this little sort of graphic pops up like, oh, on the screen like, God. here comes the balancing bit and you're like, oh shit, fell That's off immediately. Welcome to Uncharted 1 in, in 2007. No. Yeah, I was gonna say, you know, surprised oh, they didn't go back and put six axis controls in. Oh, the Blue, I guess Blue Point didn't do the 3DS version because they were busy with the others. But whoever was responsible for that choice uh, can fuck off. I think we need to get Blue Point yeah. on the show just yeah. so we can say fantastic yeah. job. How do you do it? <laughs> yeah. So Metal Gear Solid Three Snake Eater then. <laughs> We've got yeah, a lot we, of we, we think that every so time, we, don't we? <laughs> I'm, I'm going to rush through, so again, just, just pick me up and stop me if there's things you want to say. Uh, I made a note that uh, in traditional Metal Gear Solid fashions, uh, Sokolov wets himself uh, during a three-gun Russian roulette sequence. Uh, we see the fear running across water uh, in a style that we remember from Vamp, but of course the whole Vamp thing hasn't happened yet in canon. Uh, this is a point where you have a chance to... Avoid having one of the greatest boss battles in gaming, quotes, uh, which I took. <laughs> so uh, the the character The End, one of Cobra Unit, who is uh, an ancient and masterful sniper, uh, you see him being pushed back into a building in his wheelchair. And if you're quick enough, uh, you can look down the barrel of your sniper rifle and take him out. And that is it. You get you get his voice sample, the end. The end. Uh, as you get with all of them, and you miss out on the boss battle. And as yet, I haven't experienced that because I didn't get that far through on my second playthrough. So, uh, my bad. It's it's definitely one of the best boss battles I've ever played. Um, a lot of people were bigging it up before. They're like, oh, I can't wait till you get to the end. You're gonna love it. I was like, oh, here we go. The, the pre like. It's not actually the, the right here in the game, though, is it? It's uh, a little way that... further down. So. No. Mm. When, you, when you kill him yeah, like that, like... you know it's really funny. The wheelchair wheel. Yeah, I heard that. Flying yeah. across and hits yeah. you and smashes. <laughs> 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 and it was you who told me about it in That's the game pool. You were like, oh, keep, watch out for the bit where you can shoot him in his wheelchair. And I was like, right, I've right. Got to save your so... game first and then try it if you want to mm. take the, the end. Later. Yeah, yeah. It's so funny. I did not <laughs> expect that yeah. to happen. Yeah, we're just, we're just, I was just about to mention Granin. Uh, you speak to weapon scientist, uh, Alex Granin, uh, to, with the backing of a, a lounge core version of the Metal Gear Solid theme, which I, which I liked. Uh, he talks of a weapon which he's developing, which is better than Shagohod, which is some kind of bipedal tank. It's kind of like a gear and it's made of metal, he says. Uh, <laughs> if you press R1 at this point, you can see the wee figurines kicking about his office. That are basically like from like Japanese yeah. anime of like mechs and stuff like that. Very much in the kind of Macross uh, kind of vein of kind of mechs that are nice. kind of foreshadowing. Has uh, he got a Metal Gear Rex on his desk or something? Yeah, and he yeah he does, and he also has yeah. uh, Zone of the Ender fans will tell mm-hmm. you about uh, Jet. Uh, I can never pronounce it. Jehoti. Um, the mech in that. I, oh, that's, yeah, that's the mech. I thought so. Well. I didn't know it was. Uh, I didn't know it was Metal Gear Rex in that. I thought it was from some of the Enders. I d- I'm not sure. We toy. Yeah. I think there's both. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but this project had been terminated in favour of the Shagor project. I think that's right. Uh, first mention of the philosophers yeah. here, uh, of which Volgin's father was the treasurer, and Volgin inherited an enormous amount of money. Uh, 
with which he was funding Metal Gear. <laughs> uh, there's a little backtracking here as, yeah, you get some kind of key to somewhere you haven't been yet off Granin. Granin, uh, he's drunk, isn't he? Because he's so pissed off about being overlooked in favour of Silklov's Shagahod right. research. So it, and then, he's so annoying. Yeah, he's, he's off. <laughs> but but I think I, yeah. I can't. I actually can't remember this by now. But you, you compliment him on his shoes, nice or something shoes, yeah. which were a gift from you Ava, do, yeah. and they have a transmitter oh, yeah. in them. So later on, when when Volgan uh, does in Granin, That's he right. finds a transmitter. So then he realizes that there's a spy That's in his right. own unit. Yes. He thought the spy was Granin, so he was making him piss himself again by punching him, <laughs> putting him in a barrel. Oh, yes. Anyway, that's, mm. that's a wee bit later. But that's when, when Granin... Uh, Blood and pissing, Yeah. And he gives you the, the key to the warehouse where you saw uh, the end. Okay, so yeah. the uh, the fear is the next boss fight. He fight, He's a kind of uh, freaky, stealth, tree-dwelling monkey man. Um, this fight is a hell of a lot easier if you find the uh, yes the, uh, the thermal. Yeah, you can see him anyway. You can pick him out, um, especially on the HD you... version. Yeah, but it, it, it's so much more. Yeah. Like if he's at a distance, for example, it's harder to pick him out. But when you've got the thermal, goggles, he, he's predator. Like, oh, right, he's basically, there. this is this is your your predator moment, and uh, yeah. Yeah. See, I think one thing I probably did miss out on a little bit playing it on easier settings was uh, any real tension in the boss battle, uh, which is why I'm playing through. One of the reasons I'm playing through again, because this was uh, very straightforward. Um, you shoot him down. Um, I thought I was going to struggle with. I was like, "Oh, he's in the treetops. He's going to dick around with me, and I'm, I'm just going to die over and over again." But I just the Metal Gear Solid Three boss battles make you, apart from the one in the fiery shell suit, <laughs> um, the one he jumps around in the trees. He he made me feel like I worked him out uh, by like poisoning him in and stuff like that. Like he'd jump on the floor and he'd like because I poisoned some like, <laughs> rations and dropped them on the floor. He'd run over and eat them, yeah. and then he'd run up a tree and start vomiting. And it, it just made me feel like I'd worked it out as opposed to like you know someone telling me, which I'm pretty sure they did in a code. Yeah, if, his, if his health drops below a certain amount, then he jumps down on the floor and starts eating mushrooms. Now, the, the trick to mm. this fight is to destroy the mushrooms around, so when he jumps down on the floor, there is no food for him to regain his health. Uh, like Darren said, you can actually poison food around, so when he jumps down, <laughs> ultimately, then he's kind of killing himself. But it takes a little while to kind of like, well, hang on a minute, I'll just take loads of your health down, or for me, loads of your stamina down. <laughs> How have you regained that? And it's, yeah, like I say, he just jumps down, which is quite annoying. But I had thermal goggles, so he wasn't very mm. particularly hard to, to see, although, you know, it was just basically looking at a, an orange. Yeah, yeah. Uh, such is the Metal Gear way. Uh, next up comes the longest ladder in the history of gaming, mm. possibly, Although if you might, if you have played uh, Outland, uh, the the uh, the uh, Housemark game that came out on <laughs> PSN and XBLA, uh, there is a similarly long one just before the final boss. Well, yeah. So so the context of this ladder is that you're at the the base of this mountain and you need to get to the the facility which is at the, the top of this mountain and you've been told if you go through this cave that you you can. Is that? Is it's a ladder not after the yeah. end. Yeah, the ladder. Oh, no, yeah. see, there you go. Because I missed it. it. Yeah. One of you was supposed to tell me. <laughs> okay, well, I the context of this ladder, yeah, this ladder is that um, you, you've got to get to the top of the mountain. So you, you climb, and you're like, okay, yeah, going up the ladder, sure. Um, and why are we making such a fuss of this? You you go up this ladder, which seemingly feels about two minutes. You just 
you just climb, 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 and your stamina bar can go down depending on what difficulty you're on, but it, it, it will go down. Um, so you need to kind of take a break and eat some food along the way if you're playing. <laughs> There's an a cappella version of the of the theme being yeah, sung at the same totally. time. Not the whole song, but a good chunk of it. Yeah, it slowly starts to play in the background, and the closer you get towards the top, it starts to kind of kick in with more instruments. Um, but it's just a really odd moment. It's like, okay, well, I've got to get to the top of the mountain. Of course it's going to take me this long to, to climb up the ladder. Mm. But it, it was just funny. I was like, "What? what is going on? Why am I this long on a ladder? And I, it seems superfluous in some respects. <laughs> I, I know this sounds weird to question it uh, when we're talking about a game where a guy commands bees and uh, <laughs> has a ghillie suit that apparently gives him energy through photosynthesis. <laughs> but I couldn't help but question, why would, if you had to go up that high... Why would you make a ladder? Why why not have a lift? Why not have stairs? Oh, I don't think they'd because... invented lifts in the 60s, John. Oh, no, you know what? No, I'm well, joking. They had bloody flying swords. Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. Just leave a, leave um, one of those at the bottom. But um yeah, it 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 just seemed like any slip, any like foot slip, he's going to fall all the way down and die. Mm-hmm. It just seemed like such a health and safety hazard. And that's <laughs> Completely absurd. Oh, you're a ch- child of the nineties. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> what happens um, if someone slips? They're going to sue us. Yeah, but yeah, you but, know. But, what but the reason I like it actually is because of that music that you, you talk about, Leon. Because mm. it, 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 you know, you've been for this kind of boss fight. And it's, it's a bit of traumatic experience, and it, it actually gives you two minutes of kind of like this peaceful rest. You're walking up this ladder, the music mm. starts to kick back, and you kind of remember everything that the game has been setting you up and it and it puts you back in your place of oh yeah I am a badass I'm going up this ladder and the music is starting to kick in I can't wait to get and it is it is just the vocal track isolated it is is the same same song it's not it's not a separate version or anything Um, so did I miss I missed the end then because I missed the end in the game so do you is the 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 fear and the end like right next to each other then pretty much it does feel that way from what I can remember there there were two boss battles right next to each other and I'm pretty Mm. sure it was those two Yeah, yeah yeah Yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah, because he dies and he can take so, his suit. Darren, did you like the, the end then? Yeah, absolutely love this boss fight. Um, and I did play all three incarnations of it. Well, two if you count one where he's not there at all. Yeah, so <laughs> this is this is one of the most interesting things about this. Now, I've, I've been told a lot about this and I can't believe I haven't played it. Very, very poor of me, but the plan was to play it. Um, so you're looking for him, the glint of his scope in distant trees, but there are various ways of mm. doing it. The way I did it, which is to shoot him before in his wheelchair in cold blood before you ever get to him. There's another way, which is to uh, save and quit when you start the boss battle and either forward your clock or wait a week. Uh, and you, when you reload, you find that he's died of old age. Well, yeah, and, and the context of that is that he's in his wheelchair and he's asleep all the time because he's saving all his energy for the one final battle. That's right. He is a, he is a master sniper. He's the best sniper in the world. He can't hit you, but he's the master sniper. <laughs> um, and he's he's a one with nature, so everything around you, so the birds, the snakes, you know, whatever, the trees, are basically talking to him and telling you where, where you are within that environment. <laughs> So everything's conspiring against you to actually come up and, and, and kill him. But the way as a player, you, you take him down. Like you said, you, you can either... I, I love I love tricking the system. So if you put your clock forward, then ultimately he dies because he's used his last energy for this final fight. Is it a week, um, seven days or something? I can't remember. Something like that, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know how you would do it necessarily in, in real game. You just literally stand there and just keep feeding yourself, possibly. You know you can, in that, in that battle, you can enter the Konami code and it shows you where he is on your map. 
<laughs> right, you yeah, go to your menu, up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right. I think it's square triangle or something. Wee red dot comes up and shows you where he is. Yeah, but if you go out and go back in, it's gone again, so you have to enter it every time. Yeah. Oh, well, well, well the, sta- the standard thing is to see his glint in the trees. Now, I'll let Darren carry on with the rest, but uh, there's a there's a great achievement for sneaking. Yeah, I want to hear about this. Actually, and holding him up. Mm. So I don't know if you did that, Darren. Uh, yeah, that, that was the third way. I totally forgot about forwarding the clock and making him expire. But yeah, the um, the most exciting one was sneaking up on him without being spotted at all. And I yes. think this is roughly where the, the same time where I got my 100% camo rating or 95 for the achievement. Th- this game's excellent for achievements and I don't normally do that kind of thing. But when I checked through it, I was like, well, I've got to get 95% camo because I, I don't know why. I, I was just obsessed I, I can, You can get 95% without it, but I think if you sneak up on him, you get the moss uh, yeah, face camo, true. which is you what do, tops yeah. you out at 100. I think you need to sneak up on him twice. Uh, to... You also need to wave yeah. your gun over him so he basically freaks mm. out a bit. So yeah, the, the, for this, how do you sneak up is, on him? This is what I want to know. Well, what is really interesting is that uh, you have to actually go off the screen. So if you see the tint of his his sniper scope uh, flashing at you, you need to go around, say, the left or right of him, and hopefully he doesn't see you and move, and then go off to a different like complete area, so it loads in a new area, and then maybe yeah. go to a third area, and then you walk back behind him. And mm-hmm. uh, this is actually one of the few times I use the, the di- directional D-pad, which actually just makes you go into this really slow... Yeah, you need that move. to sneak up on people. It doesn't ever um, really explain that to you, but no. you have to switch from the analogue to the D-pad, otherwise you can't properly hold people up. Yeah, so you, you do that, you sneak right up behind him, you, you then hold him up as any Metal Gear fashion, and he goes, how how did you do that? If you do that two oh, times, cool. then ultimately you get his, his cool suit. But it, it is really good because ultimately you've outfoxed the sniper who surely has... You know, no, when you're behind him, you hold him up. He'll if you shoot him twice with your trank gun or whatever, mm-hmm. he'll stand up. He'll throw a flash grenade down, run away. See if you look away from that and you equip your your thermal goggles. You can chase him. He leaves footprints where he's ran, so you just basically run behind him. So you find yeah. out his next uh, sniping area. Yeah, once once you've done it one, it's actually really yeah. easy because, like like Paul said, you just follow his footprints. Then uh, afterwards, and it's it's very hard, and then not to. You know, if he, he maybe if he hits you, you can fall down a cliff or whatever. Then it's hard again. But once you found it once, it's actually one of the easiest boss battles. Um, I was going to say uh, there are actually so many ways to take this guy out. Uh, one of the ways I took him out um, when I played this HD version is I laid uh, claymores on all right. in all the sniping positions. So when he would run away, he'd go to one of these sniping positions, trigger the claymore, and it would take away like a third of his health. And that was a really clever way of taking him out. He he just, to me, he felt like the kind of boss battle that Deus Ex Human Revolution should have had. Um, Because Deus Ex, uh, it's notorious for having these boss battles that are just completely against what the rest of the game is. Whereas this feels very much like in that kind of style of, well, you take him out the way you want to take him out. If you want to just, you know, have a sniper battle with this guy, you can. If you want to sneak up behind him, you can. If you want to, like, preempt his movements and place explosions, you can. If you just want to charge him and shoot him to pieces, you can do that as well. I, I just, I loved the amount of choice mm-hmm. this encounter gave you. Uh, and it's like no other boss battle I've ever played, to be honest. Cool. Okay. Like that. <laughs> uh, so we're back to the mountain climb. Having gone up the ladder, there's still some more to climb. We've talked a little bit about this section uh, going up around the mountain using the crevices and so on. There's choppers and turrets. Uh, then you have another encounter with uh, Eva. Again, she gets her kit off this time. You see that her back is covered in scars from the colonel's brutal controlling of her. 
you learn that Khrushchev's forces are now en route and the phase two of the Shagahod trial is about to happen. Uh, you now have, uh, you're now looking to get access to the uh, new three part weapons facility east west and main sent, uh, sections um you're going to need a, a colonel's disguise rykov who is funnily enough called rydanovich and he looks just like Rydan. um his name is ivan which is of course a version of john which is known as jack so he's basically Rydan, but he's russian and it's in 1964 why even do this just because it's funny? Troll. That's a funny nod, yeah. Yeah, he's a troll, isn't it? It's sort of like Kojima just saying, yeah, you remember him? <laughs> I think I think it's self-parody mm-hmm. because the guy is pathetic in this and because of the reaction... I never spoke to, to him, Ryden, I just uh, killed know, him. Raiden. Oh. <laughs> What's he like? <laughs> he's wearing a well, leather thong. He's, he's portrayed as... Yeah, he's, he's just a ridiculous character. Um... I I don't know if Kojima's slightly homophobic as well. Yeah, there's 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 a there's a little there's there's stuff with Volgin as well, isn't there? Um, Who implies that? uh, Yeah, when in fact when you as Snake are wearing the uh, Raiden disguise, uh, Volgin as well as having made lots of uh, allusions to um, having sexual liaisons with uh, Eva, he also. He does the um, the U.S. president's uh, <laughs> certified package check on uh, Snake and can detect that it's not uh, Jack, Ryden, Ivan, whatever, because um, his bollocks feel wrong or his cock feels wrong, which is... Uh, he gives it two feels just to make sure. Um, and, you know, it's just... Uh, it's just wrong in so many ways. <laughs> yeah. the, the adult magazines don't work on him either. The female, obviously, pornography. Uh... You put them in the ground. Rydenovich doesn't even bat an eyelid. <laughs> oh, dear. Ay, ay, ay. Yeah, I mean, it's awful to generalise, but uh, there are many Japanese games with um, probably, le- we'd say, less progressive views of homosexuality than you might find in Western games, but... I would say homosexuality and sexuality when it comes to either sake. It's, you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, true enough. Uh, this is where Volgin, uh, we see Volgin fucking up Granin in a, a metal drum, um, kicking it to shit and punching it with bullets in his hands and electrifying it and all that sort of thing. It's, it, it's funny, actually, because I, I think that the Metal Gear series has been quite sterile in its, in its mm. violence like clearly it's happening on screen but you know very very rarely is it in your face blood you this know, gets quite a lot more violent doesn't stuff. it yeah I, I think 3 in particular does seem to take it in a slightly mm. different direction it's not terrible it's not I mean comparatively to some of the stuff we see today I mean it's, it's no Gears of War or anything like that well, that's slightly more comical but there is there is certainly people in here that you know get shot in yeah. the head and then there's blood and there's beatings. I mean, we'll get to the torture scene, which you know. I think it's quite strong. Yeah, yeah. Ocelot makes it clear that he, at this stage, that he disapproves of Volgin's cruel methods. We learn that the U. I think we already knew that the U.S. are after the philosopher's legacy, which is basically shit ton of money. Left over from the previous world wars of everyone putting all their money yeah. together to uh, to defeat. Yeah, I'm not sure we'd actually learn that at this point, but 
there was a, a, sec- right, but, yeah, a secret pact between China, Russia and the US uh, involving a lot of funding and um, military amassing of power. Uh, yes, and all this stuff is surplus after the war was won. Um, all this money still existed because like, all the pro- you know, the weapons programs and stuff hadn't been completed because ultimately they won. So, so much surplus money was left over and then spread through different accounts throughout the world. And the philosopher's cell, or whichever it was, the, the information of that is contained on this one cell. And he wants it because, mm. you know, power and money. And he can then control the world as per usual. Usual story. Uh, Ocelot nearly rumbles Eva at this point. Uh, he detects an odd smell on her. But we think his perfume turns out to be petrol. Uh, we find out later. Uh, snake, as snake, you find yourself. Um, you go through some trenches with some uh, flamethrower troopers. They're pretty, pretty cool. Uh, and then you fight uh, the ultimate flamethrower trooper, who is the Fury. The worst boss. Wow. Okay. Again. Agreed. Oh, he's yeah. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I'm glad I played this on easy. It's just that every other one... It, sorry, no, it's fine. Uh, Leon, uh, but, um, every other boss battle felt like it had a, a degree of, um, you know, optional tactics. Like, you could take it out all these different ways. Um, to varying degrees. I know, like, some of them were slightly limited. Um, like the fear and the fury. But um, at least it felt like you had a lot of options in those scenarios. Uh, in this case, it just felt like I couldn't do anything but run around with an AK-47 and hope to God that I can do enough damage before he blasts bloody fire oh, in my face. He went down tranked. But um, there, there is a couple of things. So, uh, he, he is this guy that's been to outer space, part of the, the, the space wars between... Uh, America and Russia um, so he was one of the first uh, cosmonauts to space and he's come back and you know he sent <laughs> I don't know the whole sun is like a bit like sunshine thing he, he's seen stuff and um, he's a big guy with a flamethrower and it, it does a lot of damage and from a big distance so he runs around in his big flamethrower proof suit um, so the, the reason for that though is that there is a couple of options I, I, I was talking to a Somebody on Twitter, I wish I remember their name, but sorry, I forgot it. But um, he, he listens to the show and he was talking to me how that actually you can actually run up to him and slash him with a knife. And if you do that, then the suit, suit punches mm. and uh, then he takes a lot more damage at that point. So like there, there, apparently there is a few techniques mm. you can do. Me personally, I sat from a very long, very far distance and just pumped him with um, trank darts until uh, ultimately his demise. But that was the one fight that I actually did have to during the mid-boss fight, heal myself a number of times, use my, my med packs and stuff to actually get my health back up because he did a lot of damage and even fell off the side a couple of times. Mm. which really annoyed me. I, I imagine for you, Leon, it must have been a lot less yeah. frustrating. You just run around behind him and shoot him. Yeah. Uh, just keep, keep track of where he is, um, wait for him to start scorching the place that you were and quickly nip round behind him and shoot him. Um, I tore his suit with gunfire, I think, yeah. Okay, bullets. <laughs> so uh, that that wasn't too much of a problem. Um, I was amused at the end when he turned into a big fiery faced rocket man. Uh, there there was some whole kind of you know cosmonaut thing going on with him, um, but I didn't feel it was particularly sort of well explained or explored. Um, actually, while we're on that, um, I 
I want to bring up a point that James Carter uh, brought up with mm. me on Twitter, is that he said while he thinks the boss battles in this game are some of the best in the series in terms of just pure gameplay, um, the actual like personalities and the designs for these boss battles, apart from possibly Volgan and the boss, are kind of dumb and uninteresting. Um, like, like I don't think the Fury is... I, I think he's ridiculous. He's kind of just this. He doesn't have that iconic feel that um, Psycho. Mantis yeah, but we had this with the that. second game as well, with the se- second solid game as well, didn't we? Um, with you know talking about uh, old buddy boy and his roller skates and and all that sort of thing, we 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 had much the same conversation. And actually, if you go back to the Metal Gear One and Two show, uh, they I know obviously you know the game was simpler and there was less. Uh, story and and characterization in that, but it's really only Metal Gear Solid One that really has those iconic bosses, isn't it? Isn't it? Isn't it a bit of a yeah, yeah? And th- this actually comes close. You know, this game comes closer than the others in the series to matching that, but some of them are kind of crummy. Yeah, I, mean, I would certainly say this one tries harder than seemingly the others do. I mean, two was seem weird. Just, you know, it, it was so comical in so many areas that, you know, that they weren't memorable at all. But I think the the end is memorable in this. But I think that the actual characters themselves and even the story um, parts of, you know, the, we're talking about Sniper Wolf. Like, I, I think that was a really interesting story, her background. Yeah. But, yeah, um, yeah the, I think a lot of them, because this was a group that were put together to ultimately you know, win World War Two. That they they could have for all the the cutscenes that this game has they could have explored each one of these characters in a lot more detail and I think they just kind of glanced over them. Um, but yeah, the we should playing style we should, against these. We should argue with Kojima that he should give us more longer cutscenes. Well, you know, we we haven't even gone there yet, and let's save that to the end. But. Uh, so Sokolov again we're inside the facility now. Uh, phase two of Shagahod is uh, that it is being rocket powered so it can go very very fast along the ground uh, increase it i don't know what the, if the science on this is is in any way sensible it, james would tell no, us when didn't, um, didn't think not. so uh so it, the, the fact that the shagahod can drive really fast uh with rocket wheels basically can increase the range uh, nuclear range from 2500 miles to 6000 miles meaning that any target in the us is viable from the ussr handy so it it gets up to a top speed of 300 yeah. miles an hour. So at 300 miles an hour, it launches... All you the, need is a big runway. Rather than just uh, a stack. But yes, so... Yeah, yeah. so runway. this... Uh, it, it, their argument is, their rationale is that it becomes like stage one of a three-stage rocket. But uh, obviously, Josh, you've, locked, you've looked work. into it and it's... Funnily enough, it's utter bollocks. Um, I, it might work if you if you were in out of space uh, where there's no friction... Don't give no Kojima any ideas. That's... Something like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Metal that Gear in space work. would be awesome. But, um, really? no, it does it, sound if awesome. You launch, if you launch, a, it doesn't. It doesn't matter how fast the vehicle no. that you're launching it from no. is going. If you launch the thing, it will still go yeah. the exact same distance. Yeah. So ignoring that, glossing over that, uh, Snake obviously needs to blow up the whole facility again, sky high this time with this brand new uh, moldable plastic explosive called C3 uh, in a heart and a butterfly shape. Weird. Yeah. Uh, 
I just, I just sorry, to, to sidetrack. It's just that um, Eva gives him in a heart shape. That kind of yes. makes sense. But um, he then <laughs> remolds. Oh, it I, I understood that, but we'll, we'll come up to why he does that. Um, no, it's there is funny. a reason. There is a reason. Um, so uh, he speaks to Sokolov, who uh, he's supposed to be trying to re-extract once again. Um, but Sokolov has enormous, uh, in a pre pre echo. That's not right. In a foreshadowing of. Uh, old Otacon's uh, woes. He he has weapons of mass destruction, creation, regrets, and wants out of the whole thing and doesn't want to be a military tool anymore. So he's quite happy to stay and be blown up. Because he... he worked with uh, Sokolov, worked with Huey Emmerich, right? Who was Otacon's father? Okay, of course, of course. <clears throat> Again, Metal Gear Solid database. Um, if only I could memorise it. If it was just if if that whole database was in my head, this this whole show would be a lot easier. Uh, yeah, this is where uh, Volgin out Snake with the multiple package check, uh, and smashes him to pieces really. And uh, then there's uh, the, the, this is then the uh, torture scene in which uh, Snake is so badly beaten up. It's for once, it's Snake who pisses himself. Whee! Uh, yeah, it's quite a brutal torture scene. He has a horrible, plastic bag over his head. He gets completely kicked to fuck, punched, kicked, electrified, everything. It's it's weird because um, playing all the other games, uh, like you can't help but on occasions feel like you're playing Solid Snake rather of course, than just yeah. um, you, know, uh, you know the big bosses. We he looks the same, to find same out. voice actor. He does, yeah, and it, it, sometimes. So, so you've kind of you've built up this, you know, relationship with Snake. I mean, he's been tortured before in, in Metal Gear Solid, um, but that you know that scene is just yeah. being slightly electrocuted. <laughs> it's no big deal. Oh, um, but in, yeah, in, in this one, yeah, although you know there's less interaction, like you get pummeled. Like he he completely just demolishes yeah. Snake, and it it leads to a scene where ultimately. Um, is it Ocelot? Who's put the gun? Well, to um, Volgan insists that uh, the boss, to prove her loyalty, cuts out yeah, Snake's mm-hmm. eyes. Uh, Tanya, as she's known to them, intervenes, uh, and then yeah, I think uh, Ocelot's holding a gun at this point, gun and uh, and in the, it clips clips his eye, which is how he gets his eye patch. And this is where the butterfly thing comes in, because when he tries to grab the butterfly, his depth perception is wonky. Uh, and then when he's playing with a plastic explosive later, he throws it up and he makes it into a butterfly shape, throws it up in the air, and then catches it to prove that he's learning to compensate for his uh, new restricted vision. Mm, okay. But uh, yeah, the the scene is actually quite. It is. It's hard. See that when he's got the uh, bag on his yeah. head, and you see it inflating and mm-hmm. deflating, yeah. obviously because he's breathing so heavily. That is and the rumble packs. Yeah, yeah the rumble packs. <laughs> <laughs> rumble. Yeah, yeah, we're I mean, playing the N sixty four version for the purists out there. Yeah, sure. Uh, <laughs> it's really it's, it's just horrible seeing him squirming so much because obviously technology back then was was quite limited. You couldn't really they couldn't really express it that well. But I think that that nice added touch uh, with the bag over his head is just horrible. You know, you see him mm-hmm. exasperating, just yeah, yeah. just a, a really visceral kind of scene. It is. But you know, back to Josh. Like you know, you said at the earlier game, like how are you going to beat this guy? And once again, you've been outwitted, outsmarted. One by the boss, but you know, two by um, Volgan himself. And he, you know, isn't isn't Sokolov uh, killed shortly before this scene? Because isn't it suggested that because you're like in total darkness yeah. and you're hearing mm. Volgan punch somebody, yeah. 
and then it I think it's yeah. Sokoloff he's punching and then he's yeah, like, that's oh, right. he's yeah. dead that's right. bring in Snake yeah that, which is really dark. It's really. I think that was clever, just having it being mm. completely black and you being. But this is also the scene as well where Ocelot starts to grow. Yeah. Although you've had a number of a number of encounters with Ocelot at this point, and you've defeated him every single one. It's almost like the boss versus yourself. Like you defeat him with ease and keep telling him what's wrong with his you know, abilities, his move. He needs different weapons, and he keeps taking Snake's advice, and each time still fails, but gets mm. one step closer. I think this is the scene where, although you know you've been beaten to a pulp and you've almost been killed, Ocelot starts to have a little bit of respect for for you and kind of just wants yeah. you know, well, doesn't want. But you to he also starts to learn to, to appreciate Volgin's methods. Um, again, foreshadowing his mm. later love of uh, torture himself. At this point, does he know? Does Ocelot know he's the he's the the big big boss's or sorry the boss's uh, son? Not sure. So I'm trying to remember. Where yeah, I think he. he well, he knows. He knows she's the mentor, but I don't know about the actual oh. maternal relationship. Uh, we've got a weird relationship at that point. So it's yeah. quite kind of it's quite tense between the two of them. There's a there's an R1 prompt during this scene uh, where the boss helps you out by the sorrow who is constantly over her shoulder is <laughs> holding up a big sign yeah. saying 144.75, <laughs> which is hilarious. Uh, and I was thinking, oh, I wonder what that does. I expect it gets me into contact with the boss. No, it unlocks the prison door that you're in. Fantastic. Uh, this is the inevitable um, Metal Gear tradition of the torture section followed by the gearless section and the escape from prison. And, a guy going and to Johnny uh, Johnny Suzaki's uh, great great grandfather. I believe there's an Easter egg scene here. If you uh, if you trigger it, I'm, I'm not sure how you do that. Uh, you escape via sewers. There are dogs down the sewers. At which point you've got remember you've, you've been given a, a fork. That's right, a fork. You can just eat stuff by yeah. stabbing it. Yeah. Yeah, but there's a you've, mm. you've also got implanted on you a transmitter. Hmm. That uh, well, I presume it was also. They have to dig them out. Put yeah. it on you. Yeah, you have to dig them out, and um, that that affects a later bit, where you are gearless, you know, and in that area where you're going to the waterfall to meet Eva, um, that area is filled with soldiers. If you didn't take out the transmitter, mm. don't don't you also um to to escape the prison eat your death mm-hmm. pill? To that's another way of doing it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, I think that's the way I did it. Eat a pill, died, and then just regained and, and escaped the jail. Uh, and you jump from a high place like uh, like uh, him in The Fugitive uh, jumps from one of those out spilling pipes. Uh, I'm trying to think of a... What's the word for them? Doesn't matter. Uh, then you end up... Uh, this is where you fight or meet. You don't really fight, do you? You meet the sorrow. So this is another very interesting and weird and different sort of boss mm-hmm. fight. Uh, I'm really interested what happens. I had imagined that you're... you're exactly. So... <laughs> Uh, the sorrow is all about the regret of the murders you've committed on the battlefield. Imagine Nathan Drake's river. Uh, just thousands and thousands of identical looking corpses. <laughs> so you're you're walking slow, you're wading slowly up a river in this boss fight. It, it's all gone a bit, you know, it's, it's, it doesn't look like you're not in, you're not in Kansas anymore. It's kind of spooky and creepy and ghostly figures are wading towards you. And these are actually all the people that you have, killed in the game up to this point 
Well, there's even a uh, an accusation that you may even be dead at this point because you've you've oh. drowned. I mean, you, you, the jump's been so high that you've hit the water right. so hard that you haven't actually regained to the surface, so you're unconscious in in the actual okay. ship itself. Whether whether the sorrow breaks you back out, of yeah, that and he's the one that brings you back to life, but you, you ain't in a good state at this point. Yeah, that's right because uh, you learn after that uh, the sorrow was a renowned uh, medium someone with ESP and mm-hmm. he spoke to the dead and he's actually he's been dead for two years himself he's, yeah and he's speaking yeah. to you so there would yeah. be an, an and the way that you end that section is by taking the revival pill which is, uh, is that, well, are there other ways of doing it? No, there. But I, you know, I don't think we made we played enough. Yeah, of go what for the it. Actual, yeah. Um, the sorrow, the the sorrow boss battle is, and I think we've all probably will mm. have different experience. But the the basic core of it is, as you're walking up the stream, you have the sorrow kind of as a ghostly figure in front of you, um, mumbling away and talking about all the, the you know all the pain that you've given to other mm. people and stuff. Now, what varies in this boss fight is if you're like me and you've been round tranking all the guards. Mm. Um, the idea of this is that everybody you've killed in the game. Actually, then um, they really are down the stream yeah. towards you. Now, I believe it's even in the case of that if you shot them in the crutch, then they've got blood stains around their crutch and they they walk down. So it remembers exactly what you've been, where you've shot them, and what yeah. how they've actually died. Um, Some of them are burning so and stuff. For instance, yeah. So for instance, the one person that I killed was this guy. Speaking. <laughs> Um, he was in. Yeah, I know it's not UFO. No, no, no. You know, I was, was just laughing a, at the idea of him in, floating up the river on his UFO. Well, no, he wasn't doing that, but he was wearing the suit that, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, because they wear these cool kind of combatty suit things for flying on these m- machines. So he was walking up there. I was like, instantaneously, I went, yeah, I thought that was the guy. Um, so I knew straight. <laughs> Does it away. remember all the animals? Now as I well? only had because there's a lot of dead fish floating. No, past that doesn't count. No. No, that would be weird. Uh, so, so the the basic gameplay of this is: if you touch these things, then they take away your health or your stamina. I can't remember which one it is, but they take health away your ability to, to 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 get up this river. Now, I would imagine if you've killed fifty people and it's all these people walking down, it's going to be quite hard to move around. And for me, I had that one guy and then every one of the bosses that you've played because it technically the game thinks you've killed them so I just had to avoid them although I did get hit and I died uh, and oh. had to redo it again and didn't really understand the ending uh, until yeah, it took me a couple of times to do that but for you guys for you guys that have been around with the shotguns and, and killing people how's that play out? You, yeah yeah you get you, you, I mean you can swerve most of them even if you've killed quite a few people but obviously on the easier settings you don't take a tremendous amount of damage Obviously, there's not an ultimate fail state possible here in that you can't, they can't, if, if you'd killed every guard in the game up to this point and you were playing on a high difficulty, would it be impossible to progress? Surely not. Yeah, I think, I think that's a, the end of the fight. You can't get to the, the end point where you need to use your pill. You can't, all the enemies can't actually uh, stop you from progressing. You need to try it again. Hmm. Huh. On, mate. Play better. My experience, that's what happened there. <laughs> Josh? Um, I, I never failed it, so um, I wouldn't know. But but you didn't have too many enemies walking down towards you? Well, I, I only had like a couple who were wrestling with snakes. <laughs> but um, apart <laughs> from that... Um, uh, no, yeah, I, I think uh, my issue was when I got to the end and you just collapse and die... It took me a while to twig that I had to take that pill because um, I I just assumed mm. I'd failed somehow, so I went through it twice before I went. Yeah. 
Wait a so second. you have the ability to press continue because it gives you a game over screen, or yeah. you pull the left trigger or left whatever the thing is on the PS3, um, and it brings up your infantry, and that's the only option you have is to actually take this revival pill. So it, it makes complete sense. But yeah, there, there's no reason that you would necessarily no. know that unless you're just hitting the button. Do you, don't don't you only get one revival pill as well? Um, so what happens if you've used not sure. it? Well, I used it you know, at the prison, and I had enough hmm. one to do that. So hmm. interesting, but again, really, you know, another really interesting example of this particular team playing with the medium, doing something very different. Well, also no combat in essentially no, no. combat in that fight, just avoiding ghostly figures mm. that are wandering towards you. But it, I mean, I guess the idea is it to to take a moment to actually think about your journey through this game and actually all the lives that you've affected yourself like you're meant to be this you know hero figure but ultimately you know you've, you're killing people left right and center how how much better are you than them but you know be killed or kill be killed but for me just having that one guard was kind of like oh, <laughs> like i remember you damn you so maybe it was slightly yeah. more impactful because yeah. shit and that was one of the reasons why I wanted to play through the game without killing anyone. And while I think on my third playthrough oh. I killed one by accident, it was such a it was such a contrast in that boss fight. Like the first time it was just like a, a, you know a sea of people, <laughs> well, almost literally <laughs> a sea of people coming bombing towards me. And the, I think it's the bosses that actually do serious damage. And like it puts like a skull on the screen. I remember, and it like yeah, it sort of freaked me out at first. But then when I was going through the third time, it was like just empty and there was one guy just come past I think he got shot in the head and yeah like th- that image was reflected on the screen I was like oh there he is <laughs> I'm not going to get that achievement but yeah um, yeah the, the first time through you definitely felt like you were being punished for being Rambo <laughs> do you know what I mean you just it was like oh, it's, like I say it made me want to play it again but be, be the good guy just to see the reward from that next up you meet uh, Eva in the, that classic video game location, the cave behind the waterfall. Um, they dine on Snake, although not the kind that Eva wants to dine on, because Snake is not interested. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> not yet. Uh, <laughs> Wait till the job's done. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so he uh, is. This, he attempts to uh, slap um, four pieces of chunks of C3 on the fuel tanks uh, that surround the Shagahod. Then, of course, uh, Bossa Ocelot and Volgan all turn up. Um, is it lengthy cutscene first or fight first? I can't remember. <laughs> lengthy, lengthy cutscene. Cut um, you learn a bit more about the Philosopher's Legacy, uh, the microfilm. This is where... Uh, where it- he does that Bond thing where he tells yes. you the entire. I've actually written here in quotes. Before I kill you, I'll explain you. it. Yeah. Before I kill you, yeah. Uh, Eva or Tanya is outed uh, because she reeked not of perfume but of gasoline. Uh, so yeah, we learn of the U.S., China, and Soviet secret pact, uh, the weapons and wealth. Uh, the Soviet Union under Brezhnev were wanted all of it. Uh, that was the that was where the power struggle was going on. Then you have the uh, the timed scrap with Volgin, which is again kind of a classic Metal Gear uh, fight in a square room with a bloke. Uh, I don't know how many ways there are of doing this. I mainly shot him with a a light machine gun. Uh, because I was going uh, you know passively, I guess um, I use CQC to get him in a choke mm. frame on the floor and then dive at him. Uh, that's dive, him, dive at him or taken. 
Yeah, you can do this like this jump. You know, you can jump. Oh, the roll, jump, right? Okay. If they're on the floor. Yeah, if you roll. Uh, okay. You can also pistol whip him, him. I think, with your single stamina. action army revolver. It's another way of doing it. Um, I didn't think it was a particularly fun boss fight. I thought, as a, for a fight with Volgin, it was a bit disappointing. It, it was, was yeah. Outside of the fury, yeah. I think. Uh, time to run away because the place is about to blow up. Eva uh, has managed to get her shit together and get her bike. She's uh, we've never mentioned at this point. She is a fabulous motorcycle rider. Uh, it even has a sidecar with a minigun m- mounted on it. Wouldn't you believe it? As you do. Qu- quickly back to Josh's point of view. Thinking about that fight, what an anticlimax from this guy that's tormented you throughout this game. Well, he's not done yet. You just have a fist fight, and I know, but you know, at that I point, thought so. it's like yeah. really. I thought it was a oh. bit limp. Anyone else? I quite enjoyed working out his like his patterns of like when he started spraying bullets and stuff. But yeah, it was a bit of like an of an underwhelming moment of just being sort of submerged lower than the rest of the floor, just a little boss fight. And he run over to a control panel and sort of charge up, electrocute mm. himself. But then that's his yeah, and that's when you attacked. It's just like you wanted something like at the end of Metal Gear Four when you were fighting, you know, fist fighting like a proper CQC. Ocelot, like you sort of wanted Ocelot's that up above, isn't, it, but, isn't he? But he doesn't seem to really yeah, massively he, affecting anything. Well, once once again, his respect for Snake has actually grown to the point where he's now turned on um, Volgan. Oh, what's his Volgan. name? Uh, Volgan. <laughs> he's now turned on Volgan. He gives him a direct direct order once he realizes that he's going to lose to actually shoot Snake, and he just he's like, well, "No, you put yourself down there. You thought you were good mm. enough to take down the Snake. Um, you know, I will live. For, I think Snake will live another day, and we'll have our uh, our combat scenario. So, uh, once again, it's the the turning of the tides for for him." <laughs> Yeah, it was quite nice to have a cheerleader <laughs> cheering you on, like, yeah, go on. It's, well, I want that in all boss fights from now on, just like a little guy just cheering you on. Just to, Oh, by the way, uh, one thing on. we haven't mentioned is, uh, why the fuck has Ocelot got an American accent in this game when he's got a Russian accent in later games when he spent less time in Russia than when he was a youngster? Well, why do all of the it's true. Whereas in Metal Gear Solid Two, yeah, Metal Gear Solid Two have the soldiers have accents, don't they? But in this, they all sound American. I don't know yeah. what sort of localization does it. Maybe that I did wonder if maybe it was a deliberate sort of um, again a sort of another Bondian thing. The idea that these uh, films are not not that they didn't have accents in, but just the sort of the the Western view of these scenarios. But I'm probably giving them too much credit. It was probably just a lazy localization well there is uh, there is a scene between Sokolov and Snake right at the beginning where Sokolov says by the way your Russian is impeccable right suggesting that when every, everyone's speaking English that rather than talking Russian rather than yeah that. rather than in the accent okay well benefit of the I, I, I know um, you know Jay of this particular parish talks uh, talks very yeah, fondly of the the original track and actually doesn't like uh, what he classes yep. as the dubbed version uh, for the for the yeah. uh, US and or American I think... European release. I mean, I've not got a problem. I think I've just grown up with with how I, it sounds. So I do think David Hater is a bit of a weakness. I've got to admit. I think there are certain scenes that are. You know, like I say, it it may be worked in the late '90s for Metal Gear Solid One, but by the time you're getting like you know scenes like that brutal torture, and then he opens his mouth and it undermines it with his you know his kind of corny stylings. You really going to change David Hayter though this series? No, no. 
No. So uh, the the big explosion happens, but it's not as big as they wanted because uh, apparently the uh, the people at the facility had managed to drain the fuel from the tanks before the C3 went off, which means that the explosion was only enough to blow up the factory and not enough mm-hmm. to blow up the, the, the Shagahod, which is alive, and it can walk. Uh, then there's a lengthy, lengthy uh, multi-part on-rails uh, motorcycle chase. I, I put that down as that's your Bond scene. That's the scene at the very end yeah. of the film where, like, you've got a you know, you're, mm. you're gliding down a hill and whatever, and you're taking down multiple things. And what is actually quite nice is that's a neat that's a scene they could easily have done, which is basically a, a plain yeah. cutscene. So like, but you actually do have a lot of control yeah. in. Oh, you don't have control of the motorcycle, but you do on have rails of, on rails gun uh, game shooting, basically. Yeah, uh, guards. Yeah. As and you're it, it's fine. Yeah. Um, and it and it looks pretty cool. Although I understand that the similar sequences in the next game. Uh, blow it out of the water in that regard but there is uh, yeah that goes on for quite a while um, eventually the the bike crashes Eva's quite badly wounded um, Eva does the whole go on without me I'll, I'll only slow you down and then Snake says I need you and she misreads that he just means because he can't fly the plane on his own uh, I was wondering at this point because you have to fix up both uh wounded characters um what if you'd arrived mm-hmm. at this stage without any meds i don't know i would assume that you can't fix a harp because it, it says specifically yeah. that you need to heal yourself first mm-hmm. i don't know how that continued i imagine on high difficulties yeah. when you've got barely any bandages that that may be a a concern i mean i have no idea it, it would it sounds interesting you could probably get steptic and stuff from the the plants of course and yes the this is something uh, an, an element of the survival of the game we've not mentioned at all uh plants as meds yeah so that is probably the answer yeah so you'd have to go foraging and experimenting with uh eating this has a, a similar uh, mechanism to skyrim obviously that came much later in in that uh to work out whether things are good or bad for you or delicious or unpleasant is you just stuff them in your face. Yeah, and occasionally you get a little mini uh, low-grade cutscene showing what's happening, like you're burning off a leech or you're chowing into a cobra or something like that. Yeah, very strange. Bizarre. Did anyone else notice, like, at this point, I healed Ava first. Did anyone... I don't know if it was my imagination or not, but did anyone notice that para, uh, paramedic was a lot more frosty towards you at this point? No, she was very kind of matter of fact, whereas before she was always very supportive. It's projection, Paul. I think on your part, <laughs> could be, could very well be. <laughs> Do you find that sort of thing happens know, with women so. in general in your real life? Not just general disgust, really, and disdain. <laughs> uh, no, I don't know if that's built in there. Um, who knows? It's with with with. This uh, franchise, anything is possible. Probably, I'm going to say probably. If you knock, if you knock Eva out at this point, she starts talking Ooh. about you in her sleep. Yeah, so there's a little escort mission uh, right at the tail end of the game here. Again, this is a bit of a Metal Gear Solid tradition. We know this from having played the previous games. There's normally at least a little bit where you're running around with somebody else. In this case, you actually have to uh, keep within sight of Eva and uh, beckon her towards you. Again, on the difficulty level that I played this, this was not difficult. Um, I hate escort missions even more than I hate stealth, so I was quite pleased with that. Uh, What about everyone else? 
It's not terribly long, is it? Uh, it was an absolute pain in the ass okay. for me um, because <laughs> I'd been playing the game hardcore mm-hmm. stealth all the way through it, and I found it incredibly hard to play that way with her tagging yeah. along. Because um, before I so all slow. I slowly, yeah, she's so slow for for one thing, and. It's just having to constantly worry about her, like, oh, come on, catch up, catch up. Oh, shit, there's a guard right in front of me, spotted me. Okay, get my AK-47 out to deal with him, which I know might have been fun on the easier difficulties, but when you're playing on hard and, like, bullets take away, like, a substantial amount of, da- you know, health away from you, it's just frustrating. Yeah, I, I screwed up on this one because it, I hadn't really thought about it she yeah you have to give her food um and it took yeah it took me a while to actually realize that i could go into her screen and actually give her food so for a while she was just saying i can't carry on just leave me just leave me i'm like i, ca- I can't get apparently if you go into the cure screen uh, and look at her uh, her food history contains uh, a load of sort of fancy meals and stuff and uh, you can see her medical record which includes a breast op uh all did you see her posing for you in the X-ray screen? <laughs> no, I didn't notice that. She does. She does some whiskey. <laughs> but while you're while you're stitching you. up her wound, <laughs> that's fucked up. Yeah, it's kind of transparent. I can't remember how you do it actually. I think I did it by accident. <laughs> but yeah, she kind of pulls an off and stuff and like. Uh, but yeah, oh, basically kind of uh, model posing for you, kind of swimwear posing. Kojima, classy. He's always classy. <laughs> This escort bit didn't really bother me, and like you, Leon, I Isn't hate everybody? escort missions when I have to look after anyone. It's just like, oh, come on. Yeah, I, I don't know who likes it, really. Um, but it, like, this one didn't really trouble me, because I was going yep. through Rambo-style. <laughs> I think at this point I had loads of bullets yep. from my AK, and it's just like, there's some guards dead. <laughs> you know what I mean? And uh, yeah, it only got a bit tricky when guards are actually like mm. pre-placed in the forestry, and they were like looking out for you as opposed to patrolling. That was a bit tricky because you had to tell her to sort of just you had to tell her to sit behind, and then you'd you'd go out and pick all the guys out in the field, and then uh, run all the way back, or you'd fall off a ledge maybe, or like a little tiny ledge, and she just refused to come towards you, and you're like, mm. are you just there? Just just come down. I, I, <laughs> but you have to go all the way back up and tell her to come. I, down I like the story well. beat of it that you know she's willing to actually sacrifice herself so Snake can actually get away. I think you know it's a brave moment for her that you know I, I come almost like a coming of age although you know she is at age but you know just a moment where she realizes that you know she she has so much respect for snake and she's willing to to sacrifice her own self to to let him escape now you know whether it whether like leon you believe that that's what he says because i need you to fly the plane I, I felt there was i know but i felt there was more of a twinkle in his eye which he's he is no, he's just hugely oblivious he doesn't just want her to die there yeah uh, but this felt her. apart from the sort of the uh, increased complexity of the the food, the stamina and food system. This felt like a backward step to me from the leading EE uh, uh, e. around in the previous game, because at least you could do the Ico thing, uh, Ico of holding her hand and pulling her, whereas this you could only beckon towards her. Annoying. I I think my problem as well is although Eva's like an interesting character, I don't actually care about her at all. So it's it's hard for me to care about her safety in that situation when I I, I just had no interest in that character to be honest. At that point she becomes when she starts doing her monologue towards the end you realise she's a bit more complex, but at that point it's just like I don't give a 
rat's ass. What are you, gay or something? <laughs> you, you see, yeah. You, you see, ladies, don't get your breasts out yeah. in front of Josh. He's, that doesn't talk to him about movies. You need to talk to him gently. Fucking... <laughs> <laughs> well, paramedic was ten times more interesting you, than you, you uh, have. Either. You do have a Jesus. point there. I agree. Yeah. But paramedics not deal yeah. with you. Well, sure. you can always do um, cyber or whatever the equivalent in 1964 was. <laughs> yeah, it's lucky Snake didn't have to wind up his field radio. So eventually and inevitably, uh, they get to the lake and the the, the wig plane. Um, the boss is there, of course. Uh, there's again a sort of there's a brief supernatural moment, isn't there, when as she as she arrives um some signifying something significant is about to happen uh exposition time she explains that her actions have basically been to make the world one again she talks about the nature of the enemy and how uh transient the whole thing is and war is stupid and people are stupid and uh she reveals that she was the first human into space but in secret uh she was she's been irradiated twice once in nuclear te- uh, testing and once by going in up in an unprotected rocket uh, at the same time they were sending up animals into space she was uh, in between the dogs and the chimps there was the boss uh, the boss is also the last remaining child of the philosophers uh, we also learn mm-hmm. this is like just all the exposition coming out in a lengthy cutscene at the end um, I would have much rather sort of had this stuff drip fed throughout the game rather than just a long cutscene right at the end well but you don't know who you know you have an attachment to the boss but you don't necessarily know what she is to you up until the very yeah, end yeah so the sorrow uh, we learn that the sorrow before the boss killed the sorrow the sorrow fathered the boss's boy and the philosophers took him and that is uh, snake, we see her caesarean scar. Well, we see it. She thrusts it in our face. The most clumsy caesarean. I know it was done on the battlefield, but for goodness' sake, you don't need to. You don't need to cut a baby out, starting at the shoulder and ending at the groin. Uh, even I, with my basic knowledge of anatomy, uh, so that was a bit weird, but obviously symbolic. It was the boss who yes, killed that's right, the solo. Yeah. Yeah, uh, but it was an understanding between them, which then comes to pass again uh, after Snake and the boss fight. She pretty much insists that there can only be one boss um, and you have to... Is there a choice here? Obviously not. You have to execute her. No. No. Yeah. Um, I actually really love that moment um, because... Unlike Eva, I actually gave a crap about the boss. Um, I think she's the most interesting yeah. character in the game. And um, in fact, she, I think the one downside to the boss is that she's so mo- much more interesting than mm. everyone else that like people like Volgan seem way more crap because she's in this game. Um, and so that moment where they're like, okay, they pan back and you suddenly realize, oh, wait, this isn't going to be a cutscene. I have mm. to shoot her. Um, it, it's a really subtle touch, but it it makes that moment slightly more meaningful because you're pulling the trigger on a character 
you actually give a crap about, not just some random like enemy that like oh whatever it's a guard. This this woman is actually somebody you care about, and it's hard to pull that trigger. It, it's not something I just I didn't just go bang. All right, moving on. I actually kind of struggled mm. to do that. Well, and as well, I mean, the, the, the end of the game, they talk about the gravitas of her her sacrifice for her country, um, which we're, we're touching. But I don't, I don't think we've done the boss a, a good enough job actually talking about how she, she, you know, she appears a lot throughout the game, although she doesn't necessarily have much interaction with you herself. Like, that she's always a major presence around these other characters, and there's always this feeling like she doesn't want you to die. Um, you know, you are everything to her but ultimately she also needs to teach you about you are number one in this battlefield you need to let go of everything around you um you know you need to grow into the warrior and everything she's taught you so far is basically just a facsimile of one and that you need to grow into your own man and yes so many encounters with her you get this relationship and this feeling that you know she she has no intentions of wanting to see you dead she's going to try to help you without blowing her cover every step of the way um, and it comes very close a number of times so when you finally do have that moment where you realise that there can only be one and she sets that up as only being one it's a really powerful moment and the you know visually it's just stunning you're in you're in this yeah. it reminds me of um, was it Final Fantasy 8 brilliant mm. uh, cutscene a field of flowers like white everywhere. flowers um, yeah once again, there's this big field of white flowers and there's petals, and it's a really delicate moment. You know, this this combat between these two people. I mean, ultimately, it will end up in her death, and when it does, all the flowers turn red, red and like there's this spirit that kind of lets go from her that she can finally rest rest in peace, and you will carry the torch, is what we know will be for pretty much the rest of and the, her horses really the start of all the rest of the Metal Gear franchise. But I don't know. It, it's a. I mean, I, I'm not going to say like I, I know. I've heard people oh, no. in the past say, "Oh, it made them cry." Like I, I don't think I ever got that emotion around it. But it was a similar moment to um, Sniper Wolf in Metal Gear One, where I felt general, generally sorry for this character and everything she'd been through and the situation that we had both been put on, and that there could only be one survivor. And I think it's a really delicate and touching moment. And yeah, <laughs> Metal Gear games. Are sometimes many things, but delicate and touching aren't always their, their strongest suit. So to have a female character for one, have that moment and the imagery of it will be something that actually sticks with me as you know part of my gaming repertoire Absolutely. for a long time. You know, they're very anyway. strong kind of biblical yeah. images at that point. Very not clumsy. I wouldn't say, yeah. but they're very obvious. You know, at the end where you're, it's very much feels like kind of Garden of Eden, and obviously there's mm-hmm. Adam and mm-hmm. Eve, Adam and Eva, and um. The snakes, obviously, the snake, the three snakes in the garden, um, solidus, liquid, and sod, and yeah, there's a very weird kind of kind of passing of the torch or this kind of that's hard to Mm. explain. Pass of the baton, yeah, 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 basically, kind of. It's it's it was very 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 touching and. It was almost when all the flowers turned red. It was kind of like paradise despoiled type thing, and I don't know. It was it was in the spirits as well. Now, if you press R one at that point, you can see the spirit when it goes to her horse. You see her spirit kind of leaving, and you see the sorrow as well. Her uh, her cesarean snake scar actually slithers slithers off as well. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. 
But like, but like, like Josh says, you know, the moment you, the camera kind of pulls out and you know you're left with a gun pointed at her head, and I kind of just sat there for like twenty seconds, going, "All right, so I need to pull the trigger. This isn't just you know a brilliantly you know done cutscene, okay?" And you know whether it, it was because I was playing it through the surround sound system, or everything. You know, when I pulled the trigger, the, this huge echo that surrounded my my room of like, "Okay, you've just ended." ultimately you know the boss's life and and that's like huge amount of gravitas for what you know will continue for the rest of the, the series and the explanation they give about her sacrifice for her country which is ultimately she is a woman that um you know has, has given up every you know she's given everything for her country and ultimately she will be seen as this horrendous figure throughout history we received an email on this topic from uh, a certain alex shaw of the digital gonzo podcast uh, he says, while its gameplay possesses a depth of complex charms and a huge variety of abilities you might never know you had until you experiment, I was always rubbish at Metal Gear Solid 3. As stealthy as a bull in some kind of shop, I found myself blundering into the enemy's sights at every given opportunity and mercilessly killing everyone I met out of necessity, something that came back to bite me later on. Obviously, he's talking about the sorrow there. Like many, I've never been able to adjust my real-life peripheral awareness to that of a game's confines. So, while in reality I'm actually pretty good at creeping up on people, the disconnect of third-person control has always felt clumsy to me. It's the story that puts this game on my top ten, that and the 1960s aesthetic. From cosmonauts to President Johnson, the Lalo Schifrin-inspired music to the flight suits they wear, this game screams of attention to detail. That was enough to keep me going until the end, and despite my blundering commando routine... But it was the boss, everything to do with her, right up to her end, and beyond that cemented this as not only one of the best games I've played, but one of the best stories I've been told. That salute hits me in the chest like a rocket every time. It's one thing to die for your country, but to be forever considered a disgrace when the opposite is true is a sacrifice for the ages. Yeah, the salute he's referring to there is uh, in the end scene where uh, Snake visits probably not her grave, because I pretty sure that uh, they leave her body behind but it's a it's a, uh, a a tombstone nonetheless yeah um it's harry gregson williams score at that moment that really gets me and i think I, we haven't mentioned this but i think the soundtrack to this game is actually fantastic i, I know the the beginning theme is a quite a bit cheesy but the actual soundtrack throughout the game um especially in this moment um where uh, Eva is narrating and talking about mm. what the boss did and he's visiting her grave is really powerful yeah uh, a lot of the incidental music as uh, as Alex said is the is the sort of the 60s style uh, mission impossible and uh, man from uncle mm -hmm. all that kind of uh, thing um inspired stuff and obviously there's uh, jungle sounds in there as well to to tie in that theme but yeah there's also um increasingly as the game goes on there's more of the the uh, is it is it Orgson Williams this time or is it? Uh, no, I, I forget the name of the other guy, but he's yeah duties okay. this time. Uh, so after the boss moment, they take off in the wig. Uh, Ocelot turns up, wouldn't you know it? Uh, ultimately, a cutscene brawl um, ends up in a duel with. Uh, it's kind of two guns on the floor, one bullet in one of them. Uh, you pick up one, 
left or right choice after he's uh, done find the lady with them kind of thing. Then you both hold them up to each other and click, 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 fire bullets. Now, I understand, based on looking at the event viewer in the game, that there are four possible outcomes to this duel. Uh, What did everyone get and what happens if you get the one that you get? For instance, I got the one where my I had the bullet in, but I missed Ocelot. So it hit the wall. And there's a cutscene devoted to that. Huh. And he just goes, whew, looks like my luck's changing. I'm off then. Bye. And jumps out of the plane. <laughs> mm, that's what I had. Okay, I had um, one where I went for the left package. Got the bullet in the gun. Pulled the trigger. Click, click, click. And I think on the full shot, I okay. caught him, uh, hit him in the arm. Um and still have the same oh, right. where he said that. I don't know what dictates well, whether you hit or miss, because I'm pretty sure I was aiming square <laughs> for his head. Uh, anyone else get a different one? Me, yeah, mine was a blank, I think. So I, I got the gun and I clearly shot him in the head. So. Oh, yeah, he says that, doesn't he? Actually, yeah, that was a blank. Yeah, so maybe I didn't hit, maybe I thought but I hit. But mine leaves a hole yeah, in the he wall. He just turns around and says, lucky it was a blank. I missed and left a hole in the wall. So looking at the event <laughs> viewer, which is where, you know, you can watch all the cutscenes back... There's uh, the ones we've mentioned, plus there's also uh, Ocelot picks up, you know, you pick up the the wrong gun without the bullet in, and I think there's either Ocelot misses or Ocelot hits. I, I assume it all ends, they all end with Ocelot jumping out of the plane, but it's, it seems a bit weird, and, and does it dictate anything else? Well, no, yeah, no one can, neither of them can die, obviously, uh, but strange. It was a cool scene, though. It did really, like... It was quite exciting. But regardless of the outcome where he just jumps out of the plane, it was sort of like, oh, God, like, not only... Like, I kind of expected the game to go on longer than just the boss fight, but I didn't expect us mm. to have, like, a little Western-style duel in a plane. It's, this game has a lot of very, endings. Um, yeah, I, I thought it was very iconic. Yeah, can I can I just say as well that I I wish the game ended with the boss fight and then a little bit of exposition at the back, maybe the graveyard scene. I like... It's just Metal Gear does this all the time, and in, you know when we get to the Metal Gear Solid Four show, I mean that that's the prime example where the it just mm-hmm. ends to to next end into next end into next end. It has a lot of context to wrap up. Give to to be fair, but this one I was like I had a real dramatic moment with the boss fight, and just like I felt like if they ended it there with a little bit of context to who she was, it would have been more powerful. Yet like, I'm just I like Ocelot. I think he's a quirky and fun character but that was a needless fight there. and then and the MiGs turn up <laughs> and then a load of planes turn up and then <laughs> Chris just... Jeff stands them down so that's yet another false ending uh, then back at the cabin you know I don't know is it Alaska in his, his cabin uh, it's normally Alaska uh, very another very, very Bond type God. scene where things finally get steamy between uh, Snake and Eva uh, but uh, next morning, he wakes up in the post-coital glow and uh, finds that, wouldn't you know it, what? You, you can't just overlook the fact yeah. that there's a sex scene in front of a burning <laughs> fire. <laughs> it's just absurd and ridiculous. And I get, I get the, romantic and all. I get the, it's the way he's still wearing his camo as well, yeah, whatever camo you were wearing. So... 
It's just obscene. It like to say that the end boss fight, I'm I'm all like glued and like, oh my god, that's fantastic. And like by by the time we get to him meeting the president and the, the grave salute scene, I've gone off and just like what? I, once again, this game just he doesn't know how to end. He needs an editor. Same old feelings I felt before, but you know, we'll get there then. But yeah, that sex scene was just ridiculous in every way. Although the explanation. Um, <laughs> Of who Eva is and what she's, she's a Chinese she's agent working for yep. the Chinese government, in fact. So she's been yeah, a triple was, agent um, the whole was time. Quite good. Uh, Maybe very, that somewhere else. very typical spy yes. movie twist, but uh, yeah, I wasn't necessarily expecting her to be working for the Chinese. Uh, they were the one part of the philosopher, one faction of the philosophers that we hadn't seen represented really in in the whole thing. Uh, Eva, however, was supposed to kill Snake as part of her mission, but uh, she promised the boss that she wouldn't, so she didn't. That's nice. That's because the boss found out who she was and let yeah, her survive. But she, so. you know, the boss is gone, so she could have still could have still done that. Where's your Shmona? All's fair in love and war. Uh, so the U.S. president honors Snake. He says, "Well, you're better than boss." Your big boss. It's kind of brilliant how, like, the legacy of the names coming going all the way back to the 80s are now, they're still being used. So, simply, Big Boss in Metal Gear was called Big Boss because it was the big boss at the end of the game. And now we're talking about it as if it's a serious, sensible title for somebody. It's not. It's ridiculous. Big Boss. But it's funny. You're bigger yeah. than the boss before. A, a true patriot. <laughs> So the boss's defection, as we've sort of alluded to, was all a, a ruse by the US. Uh, and as we discussed, uh, she will tragically go down in history as a war criminal, according to both sides, uh, when in fact she was a uh, a massive hero. And yeah, I think the only bit that... Uh, boss's death in itself didn't get me, um, but the bit that... Uh, Alex is talking about the grave, and you actually see Snake shed a tear. That actually got me a little bit. Absolutely. Yeah, um, Jay's warned me. Big mama. No spoilers for four (laughs) just yet, please, gentlemen. So uh, then the credits roll uh, with the tune that we'll probably end the show with. And inevitably, this being Metal Gear, there is a post-credits conspiracy thing... So we hear, is it, we hear Ocelot talking to uh, somebody who he's referring to as uh, chief director. We learn that what the Chinese got, what Eva got, was in fact a fake. Uh, and as it stands, the US still has half the uh, philosopher's legacy of money, and the KGB probably has the rest. And uh, the reason we never met Adam before was that it was Ocelot the whole time. And he was working for the CIA? I'm lost. But at this point, mm. I was just like, who's this? <laughs> What's this voice? And I was just confused. I was a, I was a bit confused. I think, I think, I think that's what happened. Yeah, it's, it's, it, this reminded, the very last bit, I wish I hadn't heard it because it reminded me of all my other experiences with Metal Gear. About halfway through, you're like, what voice is that? And you're like, oh shit, who is that? And then I had to like Google it. Who was the, who was the voice at the end of Metal Gear 3? And I was just like, ah, oh, I sort of ruined it a little bit. Really, the story compared to Metal Gear Solid 2 is very Oh, yeah, I really enjoyed the story uh, in this one. Mm-hmm. And it really threw me off guard. I was just like, oh, I have to remember who that voice is after seeing these credits. Yeah, it was... Oh, Kojima! <laughs> it, it, was, it was kind of unnecessary, mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. the thing. 
I didn't need that extra bit of detail, and it just kind of confused Yeah, it was me. more of a tradition and more of a hey <laughs> than it was anything useful. Oh, Paul, Paul's our, our Metal Gear expert. Paul, what, who, what, where, why? What? Who's, who's the voices <laughs> at the end? Uh, it's the CIA director, yeah. is it not? And also, what he talked, he said Mr. President right. at the very end, and it was Danny, Danny. Yeah, it's the whole thing. <laughs> Um, um, I know we're not going to cover this game, but um, that actually does tie in with. Uh, we will talk about Ops, Portable Ops uh, and the Peace Walker show because although we're not going to cover it, it's obviously it's relevant. Uh, so yeah. Okay. okay. But yeah, that ties in a little bit. Uh, let's bring in another forum post at this point. Uh, Kramer Edge kindly corresponds with. I seem to be in the minority of people in that I really dislike the Metal Gear Solid <coughs> games. I tried, but just couldn't connect with the previous two games. Put off by obtuse controls. He says previous two games. We've heard, we, we see this a lot. What do we have to do to drum it into people's heads? The previous two yeah, I know. Gear Solid I know. games. Uh, put off by obtuse controls that made me feel like a clumsy, blundering oaf rather than a super stealthy badass. Writing which I consider poor, heavy with clumsy plot exposition and delivered badly by poor voice actors. I approached Snake Eater, aware of its reputation as the best of the series, determined to give it a fair trial and see what everyone else loves that I'm clearly missing. I'll start off with some praise. The extended cold opening did amuse me. I'd forgotten we hadn't seen any title by then and assumed we were being thrown straight into the action. The theme music was very Bond-esque and awesome. Other first impressions weren't so positive. The controls still felt clumsy as ever, especially camera control. Uh, I guess he's talking about the first version. Uh, Snake Eater. If not worse... I don't know if that was just because by the time I was a big fan of Splinter Cell, which control much more sensibly. I did enjoy some of the stealth gameplay more than in previous games, although the controls and lack of decent camera control meant I was getting spotted often, what felt to me unfairly. Might be worth our correspondent here, Crayman, trying the subsistence version. The new mechanics, camouflage and having to hunt and eat and uh, keep up stamina felt like unnecessary complications to me. The bosses were interesting, but other than a couple of times it felt like most boss fights, learn the pattern and execute the strategy. I beat Ocelot, the pain, the fear and the end. I think I might have been close to the next one before I stopped playing. Unfortunately, the plot and writing were still bad and the voice acting was no better than the previous game. So to me, those cutscenes were too long and not good enough to put up with the frustration I felt with the gameplay to see what happens next. I find it interesting to hear why other people like games I hate so if you can do it under three hours I promise I'll listen that's why I read that now while uh, while Crayman's still here because presumably he's going to switch off in about ten minutes time uh, any responses to Crayman's findings about the series as a whole and Snake Eater in particular yeah don't play them don't <laughs> play anymore you clearly just don't I hate people say you don't get it but clearly it's just this kind of thing that isn't made for him you know, it's we find it. I find, especially this game, just an absolute masterpiece. I think it's absolutely stunning. It's irreverent. It's bonkers. It's heartfelt at times. If a little clumsy, it's it's fantastic. Everything about it and the things he was putting down to waste of time, uh, a waste of time, and, and just throw away. The other things for me that make the game so special that you don't get them in other games. Saying like shooting animals and eating them was just a waste of time. It's like, no, it really wasn't. It was brilliant. <laughs> that's what makes it so good. You know, that's the whole experience. So, I don't know, always people 
if you don't like comedies, watching comedies because other people like a comedy, it's like, no, you're not going to like it because you don't like yeah, it. I mean, just it's, it's as simple as that. So, I, to, to, yeah, to, I, put, to put it succinctly, yeah, taste, stop playing, play something else, play a shooter or something. I, I think for me, um, I understand, you know, people finding this game a little bit janky. But the thing for me is this game does so many things that I really, really love that the slight jankiness just isn't an issue for me. I can just put it to the back of my mind and just really, really dig into the complexities and, and intricacies of the game mechanics. And Because for me, there's nothing else like this game. I, I, the the flaws kind of don't matter because I'm not I'm not going to get this experience mm. anywhere else. Well, and, and I, I think you know subsistence version is is a prime example. Like this game isn't perfect. Like the camera was kind of broken first time round, and if that's the version he played, yeah, I can understand those frustrations. But I don't think there's anybody here that ever felt a hundred percent in one with the controls. Like we all had little moments where Snake would just go down on all fours when you just want what you wanted him to do was crawl and to go down on either. Ability, you know, crouch and crawl. Uh-huh. Um, like and so yeah, I think those complaints, some of those yeah. complaints, are perfectly valid. And I think on face value, I think there is a number of huge issues with this game. But if you were just going in there and you were treating it as just any other game. That yeah, on face value, some of those ones are actually enough to put you off. I mean, there was three of us here that didn't even get yeah. past the opening uh, few chapter, or I'll say early chapter, purely because the controls were so obtuse to us, and um, you know it, it just seemed yeah you know, the what he talks about the food aspect you know seemed ridiculous, the injury aspect seemed ridiculous, like overly complex. Now, what I learned through playing this game is that yeah, on the when you first encounter those things, they do seem ridiculously complex. But actually, as the further you go into this game, you do actually start to understand how the control mechanism works and its uniqueness to this franchise. And the uh, the healing and um, feeding yourself uh, stuff, actually, I, I really enjoyed. I, I, I kind of got a kick out of actually hunting stuff in the environment. What we didn't say is when you get hungry, Very your belly loudly. starts to rumble. And you hear this... And you're like... I thought oh, I was being stalked by some creature at first. Yeah, like a bear is chasing you, and that, yeah. that can alert guards as well. Right, so, so but that's just unique to this title. Now, I can see how that if if that stuff just doesn't tick your boxes, I, I don't think any Metal Gear will because this is you know if you look at the whole franchise, this is the most sensible one <laughs> out of all of them. So if you can't get on with this one, like don't even go anywhere close to two and uh, four would be pointless because it tries to wrap everything up. Although the gameplay maybe is a little tighter. But I'd say maybe go to one, like although you know, I think it's probably the most balanced possibly of the the supernatural stuff. I don't know, but um, yeah, I, I can see that how certain people it's it's not like a you must love this game because everyone else does. I think there's valid reasons to say why you wouldn't particularly enjoy this game over other series. I think Metal Gear is a a right time, right place kind of game for me, and I agree with Craven Edge's issues with the controls. Um, and if, if I wasn't in the right frame of mind for really long cutscenes and stuff, I probably wouldn't have played it, but it just felt right for me to play Metal Gear Solid 3 with the HD collection. And I think, you have, I'm talking personally for my own taste, I have to be in the right frame of mind to play a Metal Gear game. And uh, I think if, yeah, maybe if he's if he wants to play a stealth game again, play the HD collection and overcome the control issues and with, with the new camera, maybe you'll like it again. But he says here like the, the plot and the writing were bad, whereas I thought it was the best it's ever been. In, in the series, well, I know we're pushing for time, but I'm I'm fascinated because I think 
three is is goes once again a little bit further in how long the cutscenes are and how little time you're actually having control of the actual action on screen. Like you know, it was apparently. I one felt I was playing much more of a game two, in three than I was in more. two. Personally, yeah, I, well, uh, maybe maybe it's because this the scenes feel that much more cinematic in three. I just felt I was actually playing the game more. Just there was more running about and interacting yeah. with the environment and the enemies. So, so here, here's my my take on it. Like, there's so many games where you you just run and gun, and you do stuff, and stories fed, and even if stories fed in two or three minute long cutscenes, I I think one of the things I love about Metal Gear is that although I don't necessarily think that the storytelling mm. is amazing, I I appreciate that it allows time for you to get to know characters or understand who these characters are. Um, you know, for for instance, like if you just had that boss fight at the very end, without seeing her grow as this, you know, ultimately this this person throughout the entirety of uh, Metal Gear Solid Three, there would be no impact to it. It'd just be like, oh, well, I'm just shooting this boss, and um, there's there's sure there's probably quick and easy ways, but this taking its time that, that it just it clicks with me. Like I'm I'm okay with putting the pad down, just sat on my lap for 25 minutes and seeing the action unfold. Um, it's it's just it's a staple of the series, and there's not many other games that have the balls to sit there and do it. I, there's there's a fair amount of people that just say, "Well, go and make a film if that's mm. what you want to do. Go and make a film." Maybe that's a valid argument, but I've I've watched this as a film um, because I hadn't got around to playing free, and I was give I had this subsistence edition. You actually get all the cinemas on that, and you can actually just sit down and watch the entirety of the cutscene, kind of like spliced together as a film. Do you know what? It's actually no. not that great. It, it's, it lacks a little bit of the impact. You do actually need the gameplay between to actually interlink all this stuff. So I don't think it just works purely as a film. I, I think there's a really interesting and good balance between gameplay and watching I also find that, and, and this is probably a testament to, even despite certain control issues and stuff, quality of the gameplay, is that I think the Metal Gear games that I've played nearly all reward repeated play so actually the second and third times you play them you might be skipping all the codex and cutscenes, but you're you're really learning the nuances of the gameplay and maybe each time you play it you know you should raise the difficulty one more and try and do it you know try and do something you didn't do last time whether it's a no kills or or whatever uh, or find you know find everything kill or find all the little hidden froggies or whatever um there is a lot of game in there as well as all the exposition and cutscenes and Saturday morning kids cartoon characters and occasional surprising moments of power and depth but I guess it does still have problems in terms of being a mature piece of storytelling because it is it is still all over the place in terms of you will have a scene like the torture scene that we talked of and the graveyard scene but then you'll also have Volgin camping it up and you know just really you know not bad scenes but just totally, you know, far more like something that would be aimed at, at young, like, adolescent boys than at a mature audience. I'll bring in uh, Del B's forum post at this point. He says, the first Metal Gear title where the mix was almost perfect. The decision to base the game in the past was a masterstroke, allowing players to explore a facet of history that combined the serious of the Cold War with the absurdity only this series of games can provide on a regular basis. Most importantly, it instantly brought fan buy-in, giving them the chance to not just read about history, but to shape it. Well, sort of. Uh, they also made a real play for stealth this time. The camouflage mechanic actually worked, allowing for some true stealth play, and inching your way through each section was a test of will as much as skill. 
It allowed the player to become the predator with the option to pick off enemies or let them pass by, becoming judge, jury and jungle executioner. More than other entries, it was this was the title that truly allowed freedom of player expression in how they tackled each area. The previous games were hamstrung by mechanics that made sneaking tricky instead of enjoyable, forcing the player into situations where it sometimes felt there was only one way to get out of the room. Now almost anything could be done that came to mind. The bosses were also a little bit special in this game. The boss herself was powerful both at the start and at the end, aspects of betrayal and ultimately redemption both coming to the fore. She is a character you're meant to hate, but some... Is that right? Hmm. Uh, but somehow end up admiring despite it all. The rest are all as crazy as you would expect. The end in particular providing an encounter that is as fascinating... Uh, sorry, that is fascinating in so many ways. The cutscenes raise the bar for gaming as a whole, proving to be engaging and expertly framed. Not all were strictly required, but I can honestly can say I look forward to every one of them. And finally from our correspondence, thanks to everyone who... Uh, posted and emailed etc demon j from the forum metal gear solid 3 was the best out of the three five <laughs> games at the time <laughs> it mixed epic cutscenes with an incredibly complex backstory which was always spoken about but drip fed to you as you played standout moments were being chased by the shagahod on a bike that ladder with the snake eater song and the final battle with big boss <laughs> it's not often you can say that a ladder is the highlight of the video game <laughs> The relationship that Snake had with Big Boss and the realisation that eventually Snake would turn bad was almost akin to Anakin Skywalker moving to the dark side. But probably better told than that. Uh, the Cold War setting was fantastic as it really pieced together the story of the previous games. I loved every minute of it because it was engaging, inventive and epic. Fair play. So, uh, well, kind of, I think some of you have sort of already done it, but just to polish it all off uh, recommendations or final feelings uh, let's start with our guest Paul something that Darren had just mentioned and that was being in the, the right frame of mind at the right time and that is for me that is exactly why I play Metal Gear and when I play Metal Gear um, maybe some of the problems that the, the guy who, who wrote in had was I don't think maybe he was playing it in, in dribs and drabs and it's not, it's something you have to really get into. And the world allows that, and not many games do. You know, I was allowed to do so much at my own, at my own time, and I wanted to. That's the difference, I wanted to be in that world. Um, the environment, especially in the, in the earlier stages in the jungle, were just throbbing with life, it felt like, especially when I, when I first played them, there was nothing else like it. And it was, and I and just kept replaying it, you know, to get the platinum. I wasn't trying to get the plan. I just I wanted to keep playing. I wanted to keep repeating. I played the game through about five or six times. I wanted to be in that world to experience it. It was fun. It was enjoyable. It was interesting. It was vast. It's unique. And Metal Gear Solid 3 is, is by far the best in the series and one of the best games I think I've ever played, certainly. And I think it's one of the best games ever made. Um, it's wildly unique. And it's self-contained as well, unlike 2 and four especially. Um, it's a story about a guy who meets a girl against the in the kind of wartime situation. It's about money and power essentially. It's all pretty much self-contained, and it, I think this is the game that Kojima has always wanted to make from Metal Gear, and it was finally the time where technology allowed him to do that. Um, and I think everyone should owe it to themselves at least to to try it. 
you know, give it give it time. Don't don't expect to come in from work tired, wolf down your dinner, and veg in front of the TV for a couple hours. You need to give it the time. You know, you need to give it your. You need to engage with it, to kind of bond with it almost, and you will get the most out of it. And those scenes that we mentioned will become quite powerful and evocative. And I'm really glad that that someone out there like Kojima-san had had made this game because I think it's I think it's incredibly important. So um, nice one. Yeah, basically that's me. Well, I play it. I know you've done multiple playthroughs. I mean, I I my one playthrough maxed out about seventeen and a half hours. I think I was on. It's a long time. <clears throat> yeah. So. It's caused us so much to do. You know, it's it's fantastic. Um. Yeah. Uh. I think this is one of my favourite games of all time, which is weird to say at the back end of this podcast because I have actually been quite critical, but it's a case where. I can I can appreciate it despite its flaws. I, I acknowledge they're there, but because the good parts of the game are so good for me that it overall it becomes one of the most fascinating and engaging gameplay experiences that I've ever had. Um, Kojima needs an editor. Mm-hmm. We all know that, mm-hmm. and some of the dialogues shonky and and some of the cutscenes are unnecessary, and the voice acting's not great mm. all the way through it but he's a he's a mad genius and there's uh, there are moments in the story that are really great and are really engaging i think the boss is a great character uh, so great that she makes other characters around her look even more crap uh, because of <laughs> yeah. how good she is um and i just love how i can do things that i can't do in any other game I can throw... I know I keep going on about this in this or podcast. I can throw snakes. I can throw a venomous <laughs> snake at an enemy and he dies and it's hilarious. Um, and all this other cool stuff. I, I highly recommend it. It's a challenge. It, it's not the most accessible game out there. There's certainly far more accessible stealth games like the Batman Arkham Asylums and stuff like that. But if you really want to get a, a really deep and really engaging stealth experience it doesn't get much better than uh, Metal Gear Solid 3 yeah um, I was very cautious about this game because everyone was saying how good it was before the HD collection came out and with my previous experience of it being utter garbage on the PS2 like for my own personal taste I was just like I can't play this so it's been so mm. such a long time since mm-hmm. I've actually like ever thought about playing it again I'd even played 4 and like skipped 3 I'd even played 4 and gone What's going on? So I'd like to play four again and see what's happening there with the with the characters and stuff. But um, yeah, playing three in HD was somewhat of a revelation. Like everyone was bigging it up, saying you know these are the high points and these are the low points, and everyone was completely right. Um, there's a massive speed bump as we mentioned with the controls. Um, I'd recommend looking into the menus and checking out the tutorial videos and just just that bridge scene. To go on and again is is where you learn the game, as we said earlier. And if you are stuck with the controls, a la forty, just 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 stick with that bit, and um, you should be fine. Well, to, to highlight that in in the Metal, in Metal Gear Solid Three, the PS2 release, there's a sixty-page manual full of control techniques, <laughs> yeah. etc. Because yeah, there's so much you can do, and part of the fun with Metal Gear is learning Snake's abilities. The more you play as him, so like you know, like I said, uh, about halfway through the game, I learned that I can interrogate people, and that opened up a whole world of possibilities and codec phone-ins and Easter eggs and stuff like that. Um, yeah, it was it was um, it's something that I 
I coined the Epic Shelf. It is, it is now on there. The HD collection is on there. Ooh, I haven't even, holy. Yeah, it is. It's <laughs> sacred up there. And I, and I even tried two and didn't get on with it. And Peace Walker, I will get into, purely because the story in three was just so exciting. And I was like, well, oh, now I've got to see what happens with uh, in Peace Walker. So, yeah, um, the best Metal Gear game. And, well, best Metal Gear Solid game. I haven't played the Gear ones. And I, I'm really excited for what they're saying about five and... Revengeance, which is a before ended it. How can there be a? <laughs> uh, there will be a four podcast in in a month's time. We shall see. Tony, I, I feel so bad. I I haven't given this game a, a second chance for so many years. Even though there's been yeah a lot of people that I respect the opinions of hugely saying it's the best in the franchise. Whether it classes as the best of the franchise, I think it's kind of irrelevant. More of a personal choice. And I you know for me I. I have so many fun memories of one being this this kind of groundbreaking moment for me in gaming that it's it's hard to top that. But what I will say of three, I think it's the most grounded one of the series. Like the the supernatural elements have don't go batshit crazy. Although you know it's odd because this is what title number five in the series. So like he he's got so much previous of that stuff that you know he he had rain to do so, but he decided to to rein it in a little bit. And just kind of look at the story as a bigger whole of how all this started. And like Josh said, I, I think you know the highlight for me is the boss. I think she steals the show, uh, and because of that, some of the other characters feel slightly weak. Um, but I still like the staples of the series. I still like the long cutscenes. That you know, I, I'm okay with sitting and watching them. That I, I find them fun and entertaining. Um, like, is this game perfect? No. Like we highlighted, the controls are, are still an issue. They are an issue in the HD version, and if you go back to the older versions, they're, they're even a bigger issue, I think. Some of the writing isn't great. There's too many endings. Um, like, there, there's a laundry list of things you could pick on this, but equally, there's a, a laundry list of great stuff that no other game even attempts, such as, you know, just, well, maybe FIFA or whatnot, but the, there is a, a destroying stuff and preventing guards from eating rations and thus you know themselves having less stamina and less patrols and that that's utterly unique seems utterly unique to this series um so yeah for me i like i i I really really liked it in the end um quite possibly the best metal gear solid game i don't know um but i've really enjoyed going back and finally giving this one a go and actually seeing that legendary boss end scene and and playing the end sniper fight which you hear always about so a great game but not without its reservations if you have never played a metal gear solid game i don't know if this is the best one to come into possibly with the hd collection it is because it's the most grounded and it would give you context to everything else that happens in the series because there's a lot of stuff that references back to this game but there's a lot of tying into that that you see um so yeah comes recommended but if you don't if you don't like metal gear solid you're probably not going to like this game me i think it's good free word review that one <laughs> <laughs> no I, I i like it uh i'm not as crazy about it as everyone else on this show i wouldn't have said uh it, that might be to do with the fact that i've only played it through on easy um I enjoy it, but what I enjoy most about Metal Gear for me continues to be rather than the the plot and 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 the crazy characters and all that is uh, all the stuff, the video gamey stuff that that Kojima and his team put in there. So a lot of the Easter eggs to me are more interesting than actually what's going on in the main game. So the even even down to the fact that you can completely muck around with the title screen and the credit sequence. The fact that if you save and reload the game when you're in the prison cell, you discover a mini game starring a character called Guy Savage where you fight off a horde of zombies. 
the fact that there are loads and loads of hidden scenes by uh, pressing R1 or the right bumper at the right time. There's all kinds of different things you can see that you wouldn't see otherwise. Uh, the fact that there's a hidden scene involving Johnny Sasaki. Uh, the fact that you can uh, get certain codec conversations with certain people in certain situations. Um, all that kind of thing, all that mucking around. The sandboxy stuff as well, you know, the taking the piss with the enemies that that to me is more fun but i think why this game still comes recommended for me even though i don't think it's this you know sort of important epic that the rest of you do is that it it clearly can be played in so many different ways as mm. i say depending on your difficulty setting your style your personal style of choice of style of gameplay and the things that you're trying to achieve in the game there's just such a lot to see and do in it um i just have a great time as i say it as much as anything it's sort of ironic because although it was the one that changed the most from earlier metal gears in the series up to this point it was also the one that reminded me the most of playing video games in the 80s uh, that that had similar sort of jungle warfare settings and that sort of exciting uh, you know, like Who Dares Wins 2 and Rambo and things like that and uh, Ikari Warriors stumbling across enemy fortresses in the jungle and, and exploring them and there's always something to see and do and yeah, so I like it but um, there's, uh, yeah, there's there's eight songs by the way, eight secret uh, secret frequencies for healing songs so you can do that there's also uh, eight, seven or eight frequencies that you can have a uh, an air uh, what's the word? Airstrike, that's the word. Airstrike. Uh, and <laughs> other frequencies which can call off your alert mode. That's all quite good fun. Um, but yes, I also think that it suffers slightly from prequelitis, as I mentioned. It kind of does the thing that, y the, you know, the, uh, the, the start to uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade does, where it takes this really fascinating character with all these interesting quirks and foibles and tells you that everything about this man happened in one afternoon. Uh, I don't like that. You know, it's like, oh, that's how he got his fear of snakes. Oh, that's how he got his scar. That's how he got his fear of rhinos. Uh, oh, that's I made that it's one up. It'll be interesting to see how you fare with four then, because yeah. the exposition in that is... Yeah, uh, it's a real problem in Prometheus. It's a real problem in the Star Wars prequels. And, and for me, it's a problem in this. Oh, it's a bit like a... It's a bit like a hind... Oh, it's a bit like a gear that's metal. All that stuff is shit to me. But uh, anyway, good game. Buy the HD collection. You should own it. Three word reviews. Uh, I see that Paul isn't on the, the sheet, so we'll just do it. The four of us who are starting with Darren. Uh, White Spider Zero says that theme song. Coldstream says amazing sniper deal. Sif 79, R1 for boobs. Darth Cuddles, best in series. Xantiriad, straw, camel's back. <laughs> Known contra renowned contrarian Gary Blower there. Uh, but he said to, he did say to Josh that uh, he will enjoy the show, he just won't agree with any of it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's strange because I think that for me is for. I think, strangely, like the last one in the series is the one that broke the camera back, but it, yeah, I think there, there's some element to that, but we shall see, because I haven't played four in over two, three mm. years. Fury AC3 says, best MGS ever. Rock stepper. Frustrating greenish greyness. Really? Uh, Richard Nyack says, the 
End. Period. Yeah. End. I guess per- period <laughs> is his middle word. I say period because we know he's American because he's off the uh, renowned Game Critics podcast. Mm. Have we got a fan there? That's good. The roundup then. You can play along with Kane and Rince. The future feature games list is getting shorter, but we'll come up with some more soon. Don't you worry. Uh, next up, we have Lost Winds and Lost Winds 2, Winter of the Melodias. No More Heroes, Ghost Trick, Phantom Detective, Kirby's Epic Yarn, Metal Gear Solid 4, Guns of the Patriots, the Rhythm Heaven, Stroke Tengoku series, uh, Max Payne, and Max Payne 2. You can check out our Quick Rinse videos. We have uh, the two producers of uh, such How things with us here today. Yeah, no, I actually, because uh, the first Metal Gear one I did was an a- absolutely abysmal, the uh, 8-bit ones. Uh, I was just running around <laughs> like sure. a madman, dying and stuff like that. But with uh, this one, I actually managed to su- successfully sneak through undetected, so I was pretty happy about that. So you can that. check that on our YouTube channel. Yeah, or on the blog. Uh, videos go up, uh, to both tying into most of the podcasts, except the ones where we can't get footage for whatever reason. And also we have quick rinses about other things that uh, Darren and Josh are playing and they want to talk about. And hopefully we'll have some from Darren Foreman soon. Yeah, highly entertaining. Mate. Maybe. <laughs> Your support for the show via iTunes subscriptions, ratings and reviews are always greatly appreciated. Our blog is available at com, and of course Canarince is part of the Character Select Network, which you can come and join the discussion at the forum, which is at characterselect.net forward slash forum. There's been a certain amount of talk on Twitter uh, coming from our own Carl Moon, a.k.a. Knock on Wood, N-O-K-K-O-N-W-U-D on Twitter. Uh, Talking of uh, getting some uh, Kane and Rince uh, gaming community stuff together, uh, now that will a certain amount of that will be organised on Twitter, so follow Kane and Rince and uh, Knock on Wood and the rest of us. But also do come by the forum because uh, times and dates will be in there. Halo Reach appears to be a popular choice. Um, we're also still looking at getting a weekly Left 4 Dead session, which there may be some slots on for... Uh, listener punters so um, yeah watch this space actually a shout out to Tom Fum for that one because um, for whatever reason he, he missed his free word review and he's a great he's a big supporter of the of the show and he loves his Left 4 Dead and uh, yeah. I had a brilliant conversation about all the different mods and stuff and he, he was surprised like we this was a new thing to us when you know, they've been around for many a year but uh, yeah if you want to know more about Left 4 Dead check out Tom Fum because uh, he, do, he's, he talks a big game about that I need to play with him because I, I can't believe he's that good he does say the console version is, quote, shit, I don't agree though, either, but hey. which is not true. You can follow us on Twitter, as I say, at Kane and Rince. You can like our Facebook page. Uh, there's, I normally make sure there's a few extra little interesting bits and bobs up there. So uh, do come by the Facebook page, facebook.com slash Kane and Rince. And you can email us with correspondence at uh, Kane and Rince at gmail.com. I should also, I know we've gone very long, but I really, really can't finish this uh, show without saying thank you to everybody for my uh, birthday, um, well, for your appearances and my birthday wishes and gifts, it was all, it, speaking of Tom Fum, one of many people who was extraordinarily generous to me, um, I got all kinds of cool things from people and it was smashing, so thanks everyone. Uh, is there anything else to be said? It definitely just remains for me, Leon Cox, to thank Paul Rooney. I'd love to, thanks very much for having me on, thanks for listening everyone. And Tony Atkins. Thank you. And Josh Garrity. Thank you. And Darren Lucky Man, editor Gargett. Edit. <laughs> Thank you. 
And until next time, here's some, I can't believe I'm saying this, Star Sailor.
They'll tell you where to go.